Warning, this program typically features respectful, nuanced, and well-informed commentary, strong language, obscure pop culture references, and spurious allegations. We know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column. Greetings and welcome back to another exciting installment of the Fifth Column Podcast. This is your weekly rhetorical assault on the news cycle, the people that make it, and occasionally ourselves. I am Camille Foster, and I, I will admit Brooks. it right now. Foster, Foster I, I mean, this week I had started drinking a little before the podcast started. There's a margarita. I'm in dropping the a 1960s <laughs> rapping for drunk people. I'm It was good to go, and it's delicious, and I'm I'm a little in the cup, but. It's fine. It'll be fine because there are responsible adults here. Uh, Matt Welch, editor at Large of Reason Magazine. It's not a real job, but it is his job, and we're delighted to have mm-hmm. him. Uh, Michael Moynihan, Vice News. <laughs> I mean, is that really a news organization? I saw one of his his compatriots run off of the floor at CPAC. She was harassed mm-hmm. by people at CPAC. You didn't see that? They don't like send that. a memo around. It was bad. It was. I mean, it was. Maybe. In, was it was impolite. What What happened to? I her. was literally. Uh, I was uh, working in the yard today. <laughs> 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 Not like I'm in prison, but I was like raking leaves. Yeah. We've done. Oh, we were trying to keep back. It's like you know we did it. Yeah. we did it in our thirties. I, yeah. I did it many. Yeah, yeah in our thirties we did back. So now today I was trying to get a caliper off of a, an Italian automobile. So that really <laughs> and that, and that um, voice that you heard a moment ago is that of our good friend Elijah. Repeat. Visitor to the to the fifth column. Fan he's, favorite. He's Can we say fan favorite now? I think it's fair to say that. Definitely fan, fan favorite. favorite. Yeah. Eli Lake. Eli Lake. V. Host of the <laughs> host of the Red Reeducation podcast. Um, yep. He's also a contributed editor, con, <laughs> uh, commentary, and apparently, Eli, you are associated with University of Texas Austin, which is not the same as University of Austin. Not yet. Not the University of Austin in Texas. The University of Texas at Austin. Right. You, were you teaching a class? Then? No, What's no, no. I'm on? not teaching a class. I'm, I'm a I'm a national security journalism fellow at the Clemens yeah. Center oh. for National Security. Oh wow! Yeah. Congratulations. So a man of many affiliations, Eli. It is a wonderful pleasure to have you back. Um, oh, thank I you. apologize in advance for my conduct. I make no promises about I my even, ability to get through even, this. We do have important matters to discuss. (laughs) And I'm hopeful, I'm hopeful that you can help us make sense out of it. Many people are are gravely concerned about what's happening with the FBI and Donald Trump. But before we get to that, can we we jump right into the FBI? Can I get something? Can I say something totally out of nowhere? Please. I was, uh, I was talking names. I keep names out of it. I keep places where I live out of it. And I will say a person who's younger than me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> uh, I was just having a conversation with, and I was just explaining to this lass, uh-huh. this lady uh, who's younger, what a singles bar was <laughs> to a bafflement no. uh, because I was listening to Roxy music. Uh, and Love is a Drug has um, a reference to a singles yeah. bar in it, the great Brian Ferry, who's a guy that you want to meet in a singles bar because he's the coolest man in the world. But um, I explained it as it was kind of like a 70s tender. It was like a single, you, if you were sure. single, you would mm-hmm. go to a bar that was literally a singles bar. And her response was like, you know, couples now would go to singles bar to like trawl for, <laughs> for uh, you know, for threesomes or something. I was like, that's not a bad idea, but we don't have singles bars anymore. And I want to know when the last one, dear listeners, if you can find the last singles bar, the one that shut its doors like in 96 or something. Uh, Matt, do you remember the singles bar? That's the re- it's the Regal Beagle. So that's Beagle, the last. Beagle. Uh, so wait, because I don't have 
I don't oh have experience God. with this. I'm, I'm with Are the actually marketed as singles bars? Yes, yes, they were marketed as singles bars. Yeah, Fair, it, yeah. Was a, it was a singles bar, yeah. And you would go huh. there if, um, you know, in your kind of leisure suit, and you would uh, pick up a <laughs> leisure suit. It was right around the time I of mean, the sex bar, was too, also... which was the sex club, which was played as retreat, which was really gross. Um, I think it's a documentary about it. I think singles bars had some overlap with a decade of divorce. So you had a lot of people, I'm not saying like, you know, people exactly my parents' age, uh, but people who were around my parents' age in the late 70s and early 80s who would theoretically go to bars they didn't in particular, but like who found themselves in their mid, early, late 30s, like, all right. It's the 70s yeah. still. Yeah. We, we almost right. lost you know, the Cold I, I War to the commies in the because of the 1970s. I mean, <laughs> yes, just to be exactly. real about it, there were key parties. There was a huge problem yes. with runaways. Yeah. There was a cult yes, crisis exactly. in America. There's we couldn't go through our airports without Hare Krishna's harassing us. It was a freaking <laughs> shit show. The 70s, we barely got out of it. We barely was, got out of the, the 70s. Way, the, the Hare Krishna's at the airport were so prevalent and so prominent and so well known that it's in the opening scene of airplanes yes. that there you're like literally fighting yeah. off Hare Krishnas at the airport and like I think George Harrison might have been one of them I'm yeah not like sure. like lines at gas yeah. stations I, like stagflation yeah, which is unemployment stagflation. and inflation which is the worst yeah it's like now yeah well <laughs> yeah, we don't have unemployment quite. but we have yeah you know yeah. It's oh, kind also, of also here's another one La Cosa Nostra, the, the five families, they yeah. like ran like half yes. of the eastern seaboard. So that's another great thing about the 70s, too, is massive it's corruption. The thing is like you used to have fish markets yeah. and it was like, oh, they control the fish market. There's a fish market? Yeah. Really? No, no. They, didn't control, to... they controlled everything. It's controlled like every union and like, you know. It's... This is what you can expect from Eli's podcast. By Sorry. It's a bit of a tangent. I, I walked down to the Gowanus Canal yesterday and uh and remarked that it was when which is normal when it's at high tide um just filled with human shit everywhere uh the guanas canal uh speaking of la cosa nostra and f various families that run they various neighborhoods the they absolutely ran this neighborhood <laughs> and one of the, they kept it cleaner than not the canal the canal yeah, was, the was dirty the with fault. dead bodies that they would throw in there they kept the neighborhood clean the canal was dirty yeah when i, I mentioned it to people they're like yeah it was it was even worse in the 1970s yeah. because and this is why i forgive Eli. reagan for the second term alzheimer's because yeah. he really did get us out of it, right? And I'm willing to give him like that very foggy last year in office. You know what I mean? Like, I just think it's it morning in America. Out, you know, I don't know where I am, but it is morning in America for sure. <laughs> we, we, you know, it's funny because I started this. I, I hijacked this podcast because Camille's wasted. I have a little drum. Um, on uh, a day or a week. In which America has ceased to exist. <laughs> uh, to talk about singles bars. Um, yeah, because we're, I said because we're a banana these, republic. Uh, you mean? I was in Banana Republic today <laughs> saying that this is a Banana Republic. I can't believe this. Stealing stuff because they're like, what are you talking about? I was like, this is a Banana Republic. Like, it's a store. I'm like, I don't know. I'm confused. I was in a Banana <laughs> Republic and the prices kept going up on all the goods. That's somebody went with a ticker, yeah. you know? It was it was in all the TV screens turned to Hugo Chavez and I was like what are we doing I've never I've never thought about the fact that the name Banana Republic yes <laughs> it's pejorative and that is the name yeah, of the retail it, it, totally. store it is ridiculous so what is the Why what is the term that? for this No no wait, what is the term wait, wait, for this and you don't realize like the names like I didn't realize the Beatles for uh, probably 20 years that it was like the beat yeah yeah, it, yeah. It, and it was like the 
it was, I was like, oh, I didn't realize that they were doing that. I just thought, <laughs> I never even thought about it. I was like, oh, yeah, fuck, I, it's the beetle. I thought it like was the, the British beetle. spelling of the insect. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> it's like, they say aluminium. Exactly. I mean, obviously, like, it's different. Well, like Buddy Holly and the crickets and then the Beatles, yes. you know, of course. Well, it's it... very literal in Hard Day's Night when they play a live show on television. They're playing in front of big pictures of insects. Oh, that's hilarious. Like, yeah. that's, in that's, Hard that's Day's Night. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Why so, would they do anyway. Well, yeah, that's confusing. But why, would, yeah. but why would The Gap, who owns Banana Republic, do that? It seems like a really bad idea. Or maybe they, they acquired Banana it? Republic. Maybe that's, they acquired it. But either way, that's crazy. That's back when America was... America was confident. Yeah. We're like, but that's supposed yeah. to be like the luxury like, brand. We ran Banana Republics. Like, there's about four people listening who will remember the commercials "Fall into the Gap." Yes, do you remember that? I, yeah, I remember fall that. Fall into the yeah. Gap. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, yeah. brand is not doing so well these days, but also yeah, America's they, not doing so well. well they, no, it's they not. Had a, they had a good. They had a good run for a moment there. I mean, or and <laughs> and drunk. also Yeezy. <laughs> drunk. Kanye. Kanye recently had an exclusive release with the Gap, and there was oh. a whole thing that was happening. Really? Was, yeah. So that. They, so Man. Kanye's trying to the save Maga the Gap. Shit did not affect him, did it? No, Kanye is still it trying didn't. to save America. Also, um, apparently Pete and Kim broke up. So yeah, they did. Yeah, they may be getting yeah. back together. But we shouldn't talk I, about that. We should be talking about. Really quick, because I, I just I'm going to do a little plug. Tomorrow's oh, yeah. episode you know, of the Reeducation is, is a banger classic. It's going to be great. The topic is, is punk is rock. It? And let me tell you something. Kanye West is like the most punk rock guy in the last five or six years. I I kind of agree. Yes. With that, actually, Wearing no. the MAGA hat is yeah. as punk rock as it gets. <laughs> I like that. For, for Kanye. Wears the MAGA hat is uh, Johnny Rodden. Yeah, yeah, Rodden. Johnny Rodden, exactly, because that's the punk rock thing. Yeah. The punk rock move today is to be like all into MAGA, have like earner accounts on all the alternative platforms like Gab and all that other crap. That's punk rock today because the establishment are this like yeah. fucking little woke hall monitors. Yeah. And so if yeah. you want to be punk rock and be like the Ramones and be like, hey, I'm out sniffing yeah. glue, Sheen is a punk yeah. rocker, then what are you going to do? You could, where do you, how can you shock everybody? MAGA hat. Well, can, can I point out again before we get to the FBI? Uh, Johnny uh, Ramone, who uh, didn't talk to Joey for, I think, 15 years or something, and Joey just died, and you know yeah. he, they hadn't spoken. And they played on stage and didn't speak. They just they played shows and didn't speak. And when they went to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I think it was in 2003 or four, and they accepted the award, and Johnny came up to the dais and said, God bless America and God bless President Bush. <laughs> <laughs> he literally said that. You can find the video. And everyone was like, wait, what? Right. And he <laughs> actually had a fight with Johnny. Joey about Bonzo Goes to Bitburg, which was the song about Reagan speaking oh, at the yeah. German cemetery That's where right. Waffen, Waffen SS people were buried. And uh, he was like, I think this is very disrespectful to President Reagan. <laughs> so, yeah. And of course, Johnny Rotten is, you know, now, well, he was like 700 pounds wearing a MAGA hat. So I guess, I guess everything turned out well, just listen, fine. I did a lot of research for this punk episode. I came away kind of, kind of a Johnny Rotten guy, I got to say. I, I like. I think he's funny. I would watch. Like, can I would you listen tell to listeners podcast. your? Uh, can you tell listeners your handle on uh, Gab or Truth yeah. Social? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the Jews. It's the Jews. It's based Mike Lee. 
It's real race science, 69. <laughs> it's at Steve Saylor, uh, 72. Cultural Marxism. Yes. Um, Eli, your podcast is called... I wish I was one of those people on Twitter that just tweeted, tweeted about James Lindsay. That's what I want to do. That's my. It's going to be my podcast, my, my Twitter account. You can start. We can yeah, get your yeah, job as the Daily Beast afterwards. Call, yeah. um, the most important yeah. job in journalism is to get a, is to get an account and like listen in on... Remember where like the listening in on Clubhouse beat? Oh, oh yeah. That was, a that was great. Yeah. That was... I think was you, like an OG clubhouse guy. Yeah. yeah. If you if you do that job, you can get a job at the New York Times, and then you can gra- graduate yeah. to the wa- uh, Washington Post. And yeah, you just. Do you remember America. Camille? At the beginning, we kept on making fun of you because you would yeah. come. You would you would like it was like beginning of, of COVID. Yeah. And we would all be like wrapped in bubble wrap and like you know in in different places. Yeah. And you would come on the podcast and you would be like, dude, I was just. Yeah, in yeah. a room with Philip Michael Thomas, Jan Michael Vincent. <laughs> uh, and I was like, what? What are you talking about? A room? Like a real room? Like, no, 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 no. It's called Clubhouse. Yeah. And, you know, Gary Coleman was on. And I think <laughs> from, from the afterwards. Right. From the grave. From the grave. Right. Uh, the ghost know, of Gary Coleman. Yeah, ghost of Gary Coleman. 50% of this is true. And talked about inflation. <laughs> yeah, 50% of this is true. I was talking about inflation, but I was talking to LL Cool J and MC Hammer. And yeah, those, yeah. those right. were some of the greatest days of my life. Hammer um, loved you and then hated you. Yes. Do you yes. remember that? It was, very, yeah. it was a very And I said, please don't hurt him, Hammer. Change. <laughs> a very difficult thing where, you know, the first time we met, you, Camille, you're great. You're amazing. And then the second time, yeah. we just like disconnect at the end of the conversation. Just, it's like, dude, you were a bad boy for the Oakland. Days. You're not even yeah. a rapper to me. It worked. It didn't work out well for me. Don't 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 just. Matt knows Hammer. he was a bad boy for the Oakland days. Yeah. He was. So he was. FBI. Should we talk about the FBI and how we should? How but I was like... gonna say a moment ago because Eli Eli tried to he, oh, he no. set this up. Eli, your podcast is called The Reeducation of Eli Lake. Now I thought for sure that was a reference to Lauren Hill's remarkable no, no, with album, Eli The Reeducation of. Of Lauren no, Hill. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. I, oh. I thought about the, the oh, Lauren Hill the thing. Not David Brock. With no, no, it's, I'm so oh, glad you asked excuse Camille. Me. Um, Fake news from Max Boot. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, um, who are you it, re-educating and why? Well, so this really comes back to me for like when I was first sort of had the intellectual spark as I guess like a sort of young adolescent, and I just started reading a ton of Mao Zedong <laughs> and Pol Pot and Joseph Stalin, <laughs> and it's just like. For me, like a passion, it's I'm not, I didn't go to graduate school yeah. for it, has been like, how do we coerce people yeah. to think the right things? Yeah. Uh, do yeah. we use social control? And I have to say, like, I'm not an extremist on this. I'm against torturing people in actual re-education camps. But, That's you know, social you. engineering, having people yeah. wear, like, you know, dunce caps, funny clothes. Yeah. You know, occasionally <laughs> if you have to use an electric shock of some kind, but nothing too serious, like a permanent damage kind of thing. It's where I draw the line. Yeah. My sure. point is, is that it's just we don't have to like just live in a society where people say the wrong thing. Yeah. We can real. <laughs> no, I mean we always we needed a new podcast with Gareth Porter. Yeah, there uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I am joking around, and I am aware that the problem with re-education. And I was thinking for a while, and I I made this joke with with Michael Moynihan, who by the way is kind enough to go in for like one of my first like practice things, and then came on as as an actual guest in a great yeah, episode yeah. Uh, about. I loved. I had a. That was probably the most fun I've had in a podcast in a very long time. It was time. a great. Was and people loved that episode. Education people about loved it. Shit, yeah. You realize you do a podcast like every single week, right, Michael Winehead? No, I know there's still. Yeah. It was the best one I've ever done, and it was not the one that I I do for a okay. living. Yeah, it's, it's right. a podcast. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so yeah, <laughs> and I just like when he first came on, I was like, "Welcome to the reeducation camp. It's time to do the work." And yeah. like, <laughs> 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, we're an I'm, enormous I'm, dumps cap. Yeah, no, the real story actually <laughs> is that um my uh my baby mama, Nika, uh came up with a she was like, Hey, you know, why don't you call it the reeducation? And I kinda thought it was fun. I realized the reeducation camp thing was a little edgy and I was just like, you know, why not? And it was good and in a way I feel like I hope that uh liberals who are like want to take a step back from some of the you know, kind of like lunatic totalitarians in their midst could like use hmm. the podcast as the fifth column is like sort of as a kind of safe harbor to kind of get out, get away from the cold for a little bit and come back to your senses. And that's where I hope I can be, you know, with. But Eli, you have to, if you want to be like the fifth column, this is the key thing is you have to be a safe harbor for people on both sides of the debate because yeah. we have people that come from the right and from oh, the, the left. Right, like say, the, I'm fine with the right. I'm crazy. not worried about the neocons. I mean, this is the our, neocon podcast. Our, we are like we're yeah, like we're like both sides on every issue, <laughs> but when it comes to Israel, there's there's one side. If the two sides are like greater Israel or like greatest Israel, should we restore the Davidic borders of like? I mean, who? You know, I mean, who like that's what we're talking about. The Eli kingdom of the Israel party has moved on. Yeah, that, that Marjorie Taylor Greene yeah. is the standard bearer of the Republican the party. party, and she's yeah. concerned about the Jewish space lasers. Your neocons, Eli, <laughs> are Max Boot now. No, I'm you not. A, I'm not. With you know me, it's everybody. True. Yeah. yeah, but I'm not going to give yeah. up on neocon just because it's not fashionable right now. Okay, yeah, I stuck with neocon <laughs> through like 2004, 2005. Okay, try that on for size. Okay, they don't invite yeah, you yeah, back yeah. on CNN all the time for that one. Okay, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I'm not. It's it's too late for me now. You gotta respect the the that you're sticking. You know, it's like the Jerry Seinfeld joke that he always the bad joke about uh, China, and he was like, "You gotta give him credit. The, they've seen the fork. They're sticking with the chopsticks." <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of like Eli is just going with it. He's like, "I'm still yeah, working." I mean, we, we will eventually find, we will find the yellow cake. Max Boot is an antagonist we'll of mine it. at this point. Like, so it's like, where are you don't associate me with that Russia Gate nonsense. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that kind of neocon. But the weird thing. Yeah. Let's talk about this on the neocon thing because. I remember a neocon who you remember too, who uh, a man because uh, I just thought of it because Eli said because uh, Camille said yellow cake, uh, Michael Ledeen who yeah. went on to ghostwrite uh, Mike Flynn's book, didn't he? Mm. So there's that. No, there was co- that little co-write, not ghostwrite. Co-write. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's be clear about this. Eli's a Mike Flynn apologist, <laughs> yeah. right? So like, uh, yeah. so you might be a Ledeen. hundred oh, percent. I, I mean, like, I don't uh, consider Ledeen. I'm not a Ledeen apologist, but I, I I'm not going to go in for the uh, Ledeen slander. No way. <laughs> Listen, I don't know who's listening. There's apparently, just David from General. Nobody told me the numbers. I'm yeah. not going to repeat them, but they're amazing and you know, Mazel Tov to you guys because it's great. Um, yeah. So I don't know who's out there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I sure there's some people out there who like remember Ladine from the '80s and like you know, probably think I'm yeah, nuts. But that's Italy. just how it is. Okay. Like yeah. I've known Ladine family for yeah. a long time. I'm not going to. I mean, there. I and and but he's a complicated man. You know, Matt. Matt knows yeah. this. Um, I would I would actually defer to Matt on this. You know, when you're in this business for a long time, you meet people at various stages in their evolution or devolution. Yeah. And you become friends with them, and then you watch them just go off the rails, and you're still friends with them. I don't think necessarily like, oh, been I'm off the, not saying about yeah. I don't know anything about I don't on know the anything about stuff, that. I mean, I on the Flynn him. stuff, as you guys know, I was very much, I mean, the main reason I stuck with the story during the Trump years after he was long bounced from the National Security Council and it's true, I've known him for a long time, but the main reason is because I just thought, this is a story about our topic today, which is the FBI. This is a story about the Justice Department. It's a story about federal law enforcement, and I think for all the neos... Can you admit that Mike Flynn's a bit nuts, oh, though? he's nuts right now. I don't have any problem. Yeah, I've crazy. said it on... Like, Twitter. Totally I just, I'm not going to... Yeah, exactly. Come on. <clears throat> all right. Yeah, no, anybody who know. says that 
the election was stolen because of these theories. I mean, I wrote a review of that Dinesh. Well, not yeah, Dinesh just used a book. A movie. Did he have a book? No, too? it was a documentary of the four thousand, yeah. six thousand mules. I, I just call I it a movie because it's technically it's yeah, a film. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, film, not it's, a documentary. It's, all, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> it's like you know enough already. It's really dangerous, and I just don't. You know, that's that's not. I'm not going down that lane. But I don't think Michael Ladeen is there either. So. I don't know. All right. Well, I just wanted to yeah. wanted to poke you about the That's neocon fine. associations. To see can, if you're, I got all. I got, I got them are. all. Well, I mean, so many have. I mean, David Frum is uh, in a different place than he was. Um, Absolutely. I mean, in, I'd still talk to Dylan Crystal's in, in a different place. All these guys. Yeah. I, are you still friendly yeah, with David? We've managed to keep the friendship despite the deep. We've we've had we've had some serious like backs and forth on emails. Can, can I ask a question? In yeah, if you don't mind, you, you can dodge us if you'd like. How has <laughs> the Trump? How have the Trump years? Because I know you and I, Eli, have had this conversation about people's reaction to Trump. How have the Trump years affected friendships of yours? Have they? Has there been any that just like I don't know if I can talk to that person anymore? Have or because I know that you're a very kind of broad tent ecumenical guy. Have people said that to you that they don't that you've not gone far enough? In, uh, you know, because you, you wrote a piece, which, by the way, is an absolutely brilliant piece. And the reason that you're on the show today, which I think is, I mean, beyond the fact that you're one of our favorite guests, but you wrote a piece which has a fucking amazing and perfect headline, which is like, um, you know, guilty but frank. Oh, yeah, that was my like best that, big commentary, yeah. About, about yeah. Trump and Russia, yeah. which he's absolutely mm. guilty and horrible, but he's also being set up in a way. Yeah, and mm -hmm. like, um, I, which I think is the right yeah, kind and of like, thing where I've come Yeah, down. and this is how I would put it. Like, during Trump's presidency, I completely understand someone who would say, I prioritize the current president who has his finger on the nuclear button. And part of the reason I was interested in this during the Trump years, although I read plenty of things criticizing Trump, was because I didn't think enough people were covering this side of the story. But after Trump's out of office, the bigger threat, if you care about these issues, is the precedent set by the, like, I don't like the word deep state, but I'll call it the national security state and the amount of unbelievable stuff that they can do to interfere in our political process. And the double standard, frankly, and this is what needs to be said, that exists between Republicans and Democrats. And I'm not saying that as a Republican partisan. I'm saying it's just a fact. If you look at things like, for example, Hillary Clinton's email team, after there was a subpoena for the old emails, they erased some of their files and they were never able to recover them. And like yeah. nobody went to jail. There, She was allowed to have her lawyers in the room when they talked to her. It was a series of things, and she got much better treatment. And then you compare that to, like, I don't, we still have to see the, the, the search warrant, I guess, but, and the underlying information from the search warrant, but. Which Mayor Garland said today that he will release, right? He said he was going to release well, the search warrant. He's going to, he's going to request. says yes. Not, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's going to request that the judge unseal it, right? Yes. Um, and, so, and, and by the way, Trump has the ability because he's the one who was served with this warrant. He can just release it if he wants. Well, he has he said it. He's yeah. not going to. Yeah. yeah. I think because he likes this narrative of that we're just looking for kind of missing, you know, National Archives documents. And it seems now, and Eli, do you have any uh, kind of special insider knowledge? I know you're always working phones on this stuff and all your, your old friends and sources, that it actually wasn't um, just the documents. It was other stuff, too. And we found that out. Uh, today, there's been some kind of contradictory reporting on that. Do you have any special insight on I have no special insight into what the underlying issue is, but I'll tell you this, and it's very important. You're going to see a lot of stories in the coming days and weeks that's going to talk about how classified certain information is or might be that would be considered in this whole stuff. And this is going to be 
there's going to be tons of ink spilled on stories that like kind of get into what would be covered by code word top secret and stuff like that. And nobody's going to tell you what it actually is because it's going to be a state secret. There was already a story, which I sort of caught a few days ago when this thing started in the Washington Post that talked about some of the material is so secret that national security officials say the public can never know or something along those lines. This is a setup. Anybody who tells you that, it doesn't mean it's, it doesn't mean that like it's possible. It's, I suppose it's possible that there could be something that'll blow your mind, but it is just a way to kind of keep a cycle of innuendo and speculation going. And it is fake news, okay? Because I have covered these cases. They are, first of all, mishandling classified information, the most selectively enforced law on the books. Anybody can tell you that. If you were to be consistent about it, then Bob Woodward would be in jail for the last 25 years. Now, second of all, or Sandy Berger, or Sandy Berger, um, exactly, and would, people would, who actually did got a who slap kind on of the got, wrist, who, right? got, who did this sort of thing, have gotten all slaps on the wrist and sweetheart deals. I mean, listen, and, there were some and, consequences and to Sandy Eli, Berger. He lost his law license, and he was on. Per- he lost his law license, yeah. but just let's <clears throat> let's remind people that after nine eleven. Uh, Sandy Berger went into the National Archives and was caught stuffing things into his socks, like right. literally stealing that made the Clinton administration kind of look bad in how they handled information about the bin Laden and Al Qaeda threat. And he literally tried to expunge the historic record and was like given a kind of a slap on the wrist. And we, he got the great hilarious uh, name, uh, Sandy Burglar, uh, <laughs> which didn't really stick. It was like pre-internet, pre-Twitter. But Sandy Burglar was literally stuffing stuff into his you know, socks and his pants and the rest of it. And it was like, eh. And also, by the way, and I want to hear what you think of this too, of that, you know, this is what conservatives were mad at Hillary for, right? Was like these emails. She was had, she had emails that, you know, she, she shouldn't have been in a private email account. They were not, you know, this classification, you know, she was mishandling documents and people were like very upset about that. They don't seem so upset now. Well, I mean, listen, I- I've been consistent. I defended Clinton in 2016 and said, this is not a reason to derail her presidency. And I, said, I, I wrote a column famously that Nick Gillespie actually wrote about called the conservative case for letting Hillary Clinton skate. And because I am mm. pretty, I've been consistent. I think there is excessive secrecy in the U.S. government. And it is often in cases like this wielded in such a way that is the most politicized thing that the national security state can do. These are people who control what is secret and what is not secret. And what they're trying to tell you is that it's really, really bad because it could be like stuff that is that classified could be like, you know, a list of you know the real assets of cia officers in ecuador you know what i'm saying and that would be a disaster Mm. if you had that publication of that kind of information or the you know home addresses for the station chief of london or things things of that there are things that should stay secret is what i'm trying to say but most things won't stay secret or when you find out what they really are it's ridiculous it's like information that would have been in a newspaper but then confirmed by somebody else there's all kinds of versions of this and we have no idea what it means so until you tell me what it is that was so terrible that Trump had that you had to retrieve or something like that, I am going to assume that it is bullshit. Because can we can we put I, I some we all we have put some, to be that. Yeah. Can we put some fencing around <clears throat> this really quickly? So sure. because we, we seem to be presuming that most people know what the hell is going on here. Oh, it's a little I, weird. Yeah. Like this okay. is an unusual situation. January twenty twenty one, the Trump administration is leaving the White House and they are taking a bunch of boxes with them. Yes. And the boxes are filled with stuff. We don't way, exactly know what it is. Every president does that, first of all. Yeah. Everybody okay. takes a bunch of stuff. Right. Right. And, and he's the president of the United States. It was fine that he had the stuff, 
The question is whether or not you get to take it with you. In any case, I mean, he, he takes a bunch January of January sixth stuff, so you know he's a piece of shit at this point. But still, every president takes <laughs> sure. all their papers and stuff with him. But, he, but I he's think taking most his of stuff. it was like somebody's moving coats and yeah, things. exactly. Right. It's like all right, fine, but get my boxes now. And it's not not clear, not <laughs> clear who's doing the moving. York, by the way, I don't know how that happened, but <laughs> but but somewhere between then and January of 2020, the president of the United States and his team, whoever or the former president, now former president of the United States are in conversation with the National Archives. And they're talking about the fact that the president, former president, Donald Trump, seems to have taken a bunch of documents that do not belong with him away from the White House. Right. And then he returns some of them. Right. January of 2022. Right. This year, something like 15 boxes are right. retrieved from Mar-a-Lago. So the president of the United, former president of the United States is cooperating and giving these boxes back. Right. Do we know what was in those boxes, Eli? No. Okay, so we don't have specific details about that. We, I mean, we have some reporting that some of it is like memorabilia, like the Sharpie map he drew to say that the hurricanes were moving in a different direction than the National <laughs> Weather Service or something like that. I mean, so I've man, read that story. I want that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, so know, those, those are not nuclear Trump secrets or something. or something. What? Right. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, so it, those aren't listen, nuclear secrets. If you watch MSNBC, you will see like people having like a serious conversation like, is it possible that the president was stealing code word sensitive information to sell to retail to a foreign power and i'm like okay guys how many times are we going to do this how many times are we going to do this come on you know what you're doing you know it's like come on you know what you're doing right but i've also i've also heard people suggest that you know what what ended up happening and and now we can fast forward to august of 2022 which earlier um earlier this month i guess the 5th is when a judge approves a sealed warrant to go into the yes. Marlago residence of the president of the United States, former president of the United States. Yes. And secure certain documents that the FBI is looking for. Now, we don't really know how much communication was happening between the FBI and the National Archives and the and the former president and his mm -hmm. team, that there had been some conversation. But in either case, a judge says that they request a warrant the, the judge says, yeah, you've got it. And on the 8th, they show up and they do what the president, former president describes as a raid, but they describe as something else. And they go in and they take, they crack open a safe and take some other documents. And do we know what those documents are yet? Do we know what it this was? Is okay, so the stories you're going to read are people describing the documents without telling you at all what they are, what they say by talking about the level of classification. And this is yeah. an, meant to get you to assume that there is something really sinister there. And what I'm saying is, come on, guys, don't take the there bait. There could be, but we don't. Don't take yeah, the bait. Yeah. These people have horrible track records. I'm talking about the journalist side amplifying this message. All of these analysts, these former FBI officials, Frank Vignuzzi, Neil Katyal, Andrew freaking Weissman, who I would, you know, have had any self-respect, would take a vow of silence for the next 20 years. Um, you know, this is, this is, and they're going to stoke this and people are going to act like it's what experts think and like, you know, well, you know, these people know what they're talking about and we're going to go through the same cycle again because it's like crack. They are addicts, okay? They are addicted mm. to this story, this narrative about the walls closing in. And here's my theory. I don't have any inside information on this. I'm just giving you what I would consider to be informed speculation. I think Merrick Garland has come under enormous pressure from people in his own community, people like Andrew Weissman and this sort of cadre, people at the Brennan Center in New York City, 
people who write for Just Security, the Brookings Institution, and particularly Ben Wittes's shop there and Lawfare blog and all of this stuff. That's his. That's the. That's the sea in which he swims. In, in, okay, in, that's in his fairness to Ben Wittes, in some ways. But in fairness yes. to Ben Wittes, uh, he did and the, actually, and the order of the tiny cannon. And he actually did say that, like everybody, calm down. Okay, you know what? Can, I, let me t- can I say something? About, which I was. I didn't I was see that like, tweet, and I good. and I take. Yeah, ben, he did. I'm taking Ben Wittes out of it. Then, if he said that, good for him. Gazagazunt. Okay, but a lot of other people, as we know, were too messant <laughs> at the prospect of yet another you know, collusion scandal or whatever they want to call it this time because we've, we've been through 16 freaking rabbit holes since 2017. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. anyway, this is my view of it. Garland's under enormous pressure. He understands, or I hope he understands, that if he, if he does indict Trump, it better be overwhelmingly clear evidence of a real crime, not a violation of the presidential records. That it better be okay. like you helped coordinate a potentially violent riot at the Capitol. You knew these guys were armed and you encouraged them to come and bring weapons to the U.S. Capitol. If it's something like that, I'm like, sure, fake electors, I'd have to know more. But tell me about that. Fine. That's a real thing. If he does that, I'm saying it's a hard call. You can argue it both ways, but I'm not going to like question that decision because that's a serious thing. Can I bring some some old libertarian conversation yeah. into this when you said it's got to be pretty damn good? Um, I just want to address one thing, which I've heard a lot on television yeah. and, and on you know news broadcasts and the rest of it, is the presumption that a warrant is issued because it's pretty good. It's got to be, and this is what <laughs> libertarians were pointing out in the past, that every FISA warrant that, you know, they were like 99%, 99.8%. It was a rubber stamp court. And if you look at these warrants, they're, you know, the same thing, 99.9%. They rarely, if ever, refuse the warrant. And so when I see people on TV, when you're grasping at straws, when you have nothing really to go on, and all of these people very, very happily saying, it's got to be good because they wouldn't have gotten the warrant otherwise. That is not true. No. And if it is, if, if there, there might be something good, it might be something good in their mind. It could, might be something very bad for Trump. All of this is a possibility. We don't discount that at all. But the idea that, it's, that a judge is looking with the jeweler's eye and saying it has to be up to snuff in X, Y, and Z way just isn't the case because that would mean that the warrants that are brought to them are so stellar every time that 99.9% of them get through. We, and I can't remember on, who I, pointed to, this to, out, to, that it was like emphasize, nine, there were like 19 out of yeah, 20,000 that were denied points, last year or th- something. Th- this is a different uh, kind of a search warrant than what is known as the FISA court, which is, a, which is like the... Yeah, no, I'm just yeah, saying that, I'm that saying was one of the libertarians the, For the FISA court, yeah, according yeah. to the Inspector General of the Justice Department, it wasn't just Carter Page. It was like there were hundreds of FISA applications that completely ignored or had incomplete uh, sections of what's known as the Woods procedure, which is to present all of the counter potential information um, that would go against your main argument so that the judge could evaluate Hmm. it and to basically verify and check for the accuracy of the information that you have presented, which was the great flaw, of course, of the Carter Page FISA because they based it on opposition research that was discredited by the original source of it and yet it never made it into the FISA warrant. But that is supposed to be, that was a problem that the FBI had in the late 1990s, and it was fixed by something called this Woods procedure, and they had ignored it for almost all, you know, for like a huge percentage of these. So we know it's not true. We know that it's actually not super hard to get one of these search warrants. We know that there isn't very good oversight. We we saw all the stuff on the Carter Page warrant, there were hearings and hearings and hearings, and all the people who had to sign off on this were 
went before Congress and they all said, if I'd known this now, I wouldn't have signed off on it. So it's like, we, like, it's like, where's the oversight? Look, I don't have, I don't have an opinion on this because yeah. I haven't gone deep on this. And I know that all three of us would love to hear your take on this. But like, when the argument is that the FBI is hopelessly politicized in a way that is, you know, in the past, you talk about the FBI being politicized and it was like hopelessly right wing and Hooverite, right? They would just yeah. do anything to destroy communists and destroy civil rights people. The opposite is what people think now. So what is the actual truth of that from your reporting when you're at Bloomberg and the stuff that you've written? When when right wingers and, you know, Trump uh, loyalists say that the FBI is hopeless, hopelessly politicized, is that true? And is it true in a minor way, a major way or not true at all? Okay, so... There are elements of the FBI, just to sort of clarify this, like Giuliani had obviously sources in the New York field office in 2016 because he was able to get accurate information out to other journalists regarding Hillary Clinton. So that's something that is a real thing. So there are, I guess you could argue, Republicans in the FBI. And traditionally, you know, people who join the FBI are like kind of straight arrow right winger types. That said, particularly the FBI under the leadership of James Comey, and many of the other senior figures who have left the FBI and are now part of the Democratic media complex but being sort of guests on MSNBC and are indistinguishable from Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi on these things. And the fact that even though it doesn't come out and say, the inspector general doesn't come out and say, we know that they were partisan when they did this and they did that. If you just look at the evidence, there has been a disparity between how the FBI has handled highly sensitive political cases when they involve Republicans versus Democrats. I mean... For example, just to take one that's not as obvious as like a Hunter Biden thing. Um, I don't know if you guys remember, but um, the what's his name? Uh, the guy who was on the Intelligence Committee, Eric Stallwell, uh, Swalwell. Swalwell. Okay. Anyway, the, the, the FBI <laughs> knew for the entire like Trump years that he had been compromised by a Chinese spy who he had slept with. And Didn't get all the coverage. Hunt, well, and for, let's yeah. leaving aside the coverage. Nobody found out about it. It was not leaked for the entire time. But think about all the stuff that has been leaked about Republicans. We have never seen the mm -hmm. actual indictment of Congressman Matt Gates. There was all this mm -hmm. false information mm -hmm. that was wow. leaked about yeah. Carter Page. And then leaving aside the leaks, look about at the actual procedures for how Republicans get arrested. Peter Navarro is arrested in a very public way in an airport where there are cameras and it becomes a huge news story. Did anybody in the Clinton investigation ever get arrested in such a way? I mean, or like, look at how George Papadopoulos was arrested, or Roger Stone, for that matter, who, sure, Roger Stone's a, is, a, is a real operator, kind of a piece of shit. I get it. I agree. But still, like, it does. we never see Democrats kind of getting that kind of stuff. And when this brings me back to this search warrant or this raid or whatever you want to call it, this is not an indictment. If, if, if I would be shocked if Trump was actually indicted for a violation of the Presidential Records Act, and if he is indicted, on the president, it's just an enormous own goal on the part of the Justice Department and the Biden administration, because that's not a serious thing. Nobody has ever gone to jail for the Presidential Records Act. And as for the classified scene, the precedent with dealing with people like David Petraeus or Sandy Berger, you know, John Deutsch, the former CIA director, is such that, like, if he goes to jail for that, that's just that's a huge disparity of justice. So I think he's it's a sop to blue and on. OK, it's a sop to. <laughs> the people who the need Lewinon, to know yeah. that the walls are forever closing in. So it's get off my back. I'm taking it seriously. We just raided Mar-a-Lago. And that's what he's doing, because I think he must understand that if it's just this, if they've got something on like, you know, seditious conspiracy or something like that, I'm all ears. 
But if it's this, mm. I think it is meant to basically manipulate all these people who make hating Trump their core identity. You uh, referenced the selective leaking of stuff. And one of the things that you wrote that had uh, the most influence in the way that I think about this is the um, uh, criticizing um, this sort of James Comey uh, FBI for leaking bits about an active investigation into Trump um, and that that's in inappropriate when they have this access to all this materials. So I was uh, wondering if you could analyze how that type of leaking has happened either in this case or generally uh, under the Biden administration, is there something uh, different about it compared to the immediate past and the Trump administration and how that might affect the way that we think about this okay, particular Okay, so in terms of the double standard, um, the National School Board Administrator Association is a group that's very much aligned with the Democratic Party. I think we would all agree, like the teachers unions. Mm. Okay, so they got to go through the White House to the Justice yeah. Department and say, we need a, you know, a new policy to monitor these parents who keep coming and yelling at our meetings and so forth. Because there's Now, there's this another side of this. I'm sure there are a, sort of a part of them as being threats, but that coordination with basically a Democratic interest group, Democratic Party interest group, is an example of kind of partisanship. The high profile... Which became a memo that... An yeah, infamous exactly. memo and then Garland that they wrote kind of out like, saying you know, basically, you know, right. beware... Right. These parents, um, yeah. I would argue that, you know, the Navarro arrest and also the idea that we're talking about a claim of whether or not you can ignore a congressional committee. And I am not a lawyer, but I think the claim of executive privilege for, say, Steve Bannon is really pretty flimsy. But normally mm -hmm. you would allow a judge to adjudicate that for someone like Navarro. And instead, the Justice Department went right to indicting contempt of Congress, which is a rare thing. And mm -hmm. I think the last time. It was a really prominent thing was in Watergate, but usually it's not done. I mean, if you think about it, Eric Holder was in contempt of Congress, you know, for Fast and Furious, which was that guns to, you know, Mexican border gangs scandal from the Obama years. So that's another example of it. Um, so is that um, the Gestapo or a banana republic? No, that's extreme rhetoric. But I'm, I'm less inclined to nitpick and I'm more inclined to say, are, do you expect me to take the FBI seriously after everything we've learned about them for the six years? And you don't think I'm supposed to like, you're supposed to say, no, 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 there's no way it could be partisan. Are you crazy? But, but Eli, it's also in contrast, you have to you know, view this in contrast with Donald Trump, yeah. who is, you know, you have a similar thing. Like, you, can you trust the FBI in this? Um, probably not. Can you trust that Donald Trump? No, I, mean, I could see Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It's the same thing. It's like, I mean, obviously, I find it very odd that people on MSNBC are, are quite happy to trust uh, the FBI and are all four square behind these institutions that they spend a long time hating and or having a deep um, amount of skepticism for, which they should have, is, um, but, you know, you see recent reporting. We had a conversation the other day when I said, we talked on the phone and said, you know, come on and let's talk about the FBI. And one of the things that I had brought up to you is that, you know, what the fuck, why, why not a subpoena? Now we have some reporting that came out today from the uh, New York Times that said that there was a subpoena in March or something in that Donald Trump and his people in his orbit basically ignored it. And this is not surprising to me if this is true. It might not be true, but it seems to be, you know, pretty solid reporting is that, you know, the FBI is not trustworthy, but neither is. That's a fair, that's Donald a fair Trump. point. I mean, but there's a guy that, it's not as simple as I think they yeah. were ignoring it. They were, they'd agreed to a process to safeguard the documents. And I, my understanding is I think they might have yeah. had information mm -hmm. to suggest that they were not as 
safely kept or something. Right. Um, you know, like this is normally something that is dealt with because there have been these disputes with other past presidents. It took the Nixon estate after Nixon had died to finally settle some of the disputes over some of the papers with the National Archive. This is something that like... <laughs> yeah, he had a different he reason because he sure, was like, you know what I don't like? These Jews. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Eli Lake is one of these Jews. <laughs> yeah, no, but I'm saying that like it's every president has like some... There's always this stuff is kind of bound to come in. It's like paperwork stuff unless they can show that there really is some like document that I don't know. I mean... You'd have to convince me that, like, they had that. If if they, I suppose, if they found proof that he knew he lost the election and I don't know was doing something even worse than we have right now or something, then maybe. But that's still using the pretext of the of a of a search warrant for you know an administrative law like this as a fishing expedition. Like, I mean, we know he's a piece of shit, right? Yeah. I mean, this is pretty obvious, and he's been a piece of shit, and he's acted like a piece yes. of shit. And when it's January 6th or the election and lying about the election, I mean, is this not just a, I mean, when, when conservatives, I think the one point that they have that actually resonates with me, I don't know if it's true, but I'm like, yeah, that might be a thing. Is this not just a fishing, fishing expedition to not play fair in the sense of just let's beat this guy on the merits because he's a, a, a horrible person and, and, you know, a candidate that's weak in a lot of ways. And no, we're actually just trying to disqualify him from, from, I mean, cause there's a lot of talk about this, which seems constitutionally very dubious that we can, I mean, there's very limited amounts of things that prevent you from actually running for office. And this doesn't seem like any of them even come close in what they've discovered or what they're trying to find. But it seems to me that this is a lot of, this is a shortcut to just derail with so many de so many desperate moments to derail the power or to to curtail the power of Donald Trump with his with his base by just saying let's get him out of the game let's kneecap him let's Tanya Harding this Nancy Kerrigan you know what okay, I mean so first of all if the idea was that announcing a search warrant and like making it appear that Trump is under investigation is going to hurt him with his supporters uh, then you need to get out of the politics industry because that's the dumbest analysis I've ever heard. Okay, if you indict him, you will, we will bond him closer to the people who already adore him. I mean, so, and everybody knows that. I mean, I don't want to act like, oh, well, you know, we just don't see it that way and like, you know, whatever. That's ridiculous. Everybody knows that. Everybody understands that it's a huge risk. And even if you think that you have to do it because you have to, the stronger argument is like, no one is above the law. But if your point that no one's above the law in regards to the Presidential Records Act or mishandling classification, then you have to grapple with the fact that other prominent Democrats and other prominent people have had similar kinds of violations and have gotten the slap on the wrist. So how, why, is it, why is Trump special? And that's where it really does come into, I think, what has been a kind of politicized, I mean, I don't know if it's like institutionally politicized, but certainly Jim Comey um, was 100% politicized. And we have like, thanks to John Durham, we know that the Hillary campaign had an open door to the FBI to gin up phony baloney investigations into Trump. That happened in 2016. It's a disgrace. Now, I hope, I want to believe that that's just because Jim Comey is a particularly unscrupulous person and Andrew McCabe is a piece of shit and Peter Strzok, et cetera, et cetera. But it might be an institutional problem with the FBI. It might be an institutional problem in a deeper sense with like the bench of elite lawyers in this country who graduate from Harvard and Yale and end up, you know, becoming our judges and running the Justice Department. I mean, it might be some like deep problem there, but it's a problem because it is a huge double standard. Like Can you imagine that happening the other way? A Republican administration, an FBI under a Republican administration lets someone like, say, a Roger Stone basically give them opposition research dossiers, and then they use that to bolster 
investigations that are reaching a dead end in their into their political opposition? You don't think that would have been like Watergate 2.0? Of course it would be. Now, listen, I don't want to like overstate it. Like it's like I think the FBI should not be abolished. I'm not for defund the FBI. Get real. But there needs to be reform. There might need to be another church committee, in my view, not just to look at that stuff, to look at legitimate complaints that Muslim American communities have had about entrapping people during the 9-11 wars. I'm all for like reopening that and like seriously looking under the fingernails and probably taking away the counterintelligence authority from the FBI. But this is an institution that has really screwed up. And we haven't even gotten into the fact that, let's say it like this. What's up, Glenn Greenwald? The FBI conspired (laughs) with white militias to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the governor of of Michigan. Okay? If I'm running for office in Michigan right now, I'm trying to figure out what's the governor going to do to protect my state from the FBI. Okay? Because that's what they did. All right? Like, if you, when you look into that case of, like, the people who were doing that Kidnapping, it's atrocious. Like, they have more informants in that than actual white militia guys. It's incredible. And the, and the timing of it it's was the timing's all messed, messed up. up and the way too. that they manipulate the information. So we had this whole cycle of people, like, you know, talking about defending democracy and the rule of law when the real story is that the FBI right. is acting like an arm of the Democrats. But I'm in, sorry, but, but like, we got to start... Probably... They probably wouldn't have carried out the kidnapping. No, we, we I know presume. they wouldn't have carried it out, but you get my okay. point. My Just point is that, fair. like, what yeah, yeah. was Maybe that? They would. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, and listen, by the way, Just put her in the van. No, people are going like, to say they did that to Muslim Americans <laughs> for 20 years and you didn't care about it. And they're, you know what? Fair point. I should have been more aware of it. And, and as I think you can attest, Matt, because I think you edited this piece for my, like, I was a neocon, but I also made a lot of structural critiques of the new 9 11 state and everything like that. So, I get some cred there from the libertarians, I Correct. think, for the fact that I caught, but I should have been much more aware of the treatment of that. If you start looking into some why of the- Why didn't you become Max Boot, though? Why aren't you have, um, why aren't you well, <laughs> on MSNBC every day on a, in a, with, a, with a jaunty chapeau uh, t- talking about how um, Donald Trump is making this into a banana republic? I mean, that's what you should have done. That's well, that, that's where your future would have Okay, because I don't think I- more money I, in your First of all, I'm not interested in that. And, you know, I mean, I don't know, like- <laughs> Do you think that, I don't know, would you want to be, I mean, listen, Max Boot has had a lot of success and he's, he's at one point was a very, was a friend and I admired him and I, you know, I, I know I like some books, but I don't, I don't think I'd be proud of the turn that his career has taken or Jen Rubin. I mean, it's, it's like, I know what they're going to say. Jen Rubin uh, is just really fascinating. You yeah. know, I want to follow podcast, up on your way. church commission observation because in that sort of mid seventies investigatory spasm and also kind of American sense of, of decline and like, Oh shit, what what did we just do? There was a lot of institutions that uh, went through this discovery. One of them was the military, right? After the, after Vietnam, the military underwent a really long, thorough rethink. How do we do things? Why do we do them this way? And kind of rebuilt it from and it, the ground and it was up. The mil- it was the that, advocacy was from point. within the military um, and the services to get rid of the draft from within because they understood yes, that if they were yes, if because, they had conscription, uh, without... they were going to get people who were going to undermine morale. There was an issue of fragging in Vietnam, and there's a whole lot of things. You're absolutely right. So this is, by the way, gets back to if I could, I don't and want to. So, share, uh, but this is sort of a point in a meta sense about punk rock, which is that you need to have this creative destruction every now and again, like a church committee that doesn't necessarily destroy the FBI. But reforms it enough. And, and by the way, Eli, uh, explain the Church Commission, which happened in the 1970s. Okay, so well, I love this story, everybody. It's great. That's why I'm asking you to explain so it. Like, a lot of things I can, think it's, okay, it's, a very it's, it's William Colby, who is the CIA director in the early yeah. 70s. And this is very important, everybody. William Colby, <laughs> in the history 
of like skullduggery made one of the most unbelievable, like, I can't understand why he did this decisions. He asked station chiefs and other senior people in the CIA to write down on a piece of paper all the crimes they committed. Swear to God, <laughs> it happened. Like, can you believe it? Like, you're not doing it right. You know what I mean? Like, I'm imagining like La Cosa Nostra is watching and they're like, oh my God, yeah, you did what? <laughs> no, never on the phone. Anyway, but so this became what is colloquially known as the family jewels. And then, God bless him, Cy Hirsch, back in the day when he, when he had serious game, he published this stuff and it was just like revelation after revelation after revelation. And all, every time the State Department would lie about like, hey, we don't know anything about this coup. Yes. Turned out it was real. And the Cy Hirsch, by the way, is is at that point is fucking Motown. He's a hit machine. He's just a hit man. And that exactly. was a that was a big, of everybody. A big hit. And a huge shout That's, out by the to way, uh, by the way, early Cy Hirsch. Cy Hirsch is, is a is a is a is a home run hitter, is a little bit like, you know, he can sometimes he can swing. He's like I don't want to say Dave Kingman because Dave Kingman was like, but you know what I'm talking about. It's like a Reggie Jackson. <laughs> Reggie Jackson would strike out, but when he yeah. connected, oh maybe, boy, look out. Yeah, maybe a Roger Maris. Yeah, like a Roger Maris. Yeah, Maris exactly. career. He was in 61 Maris. Yeah. You know? how, did, like, how did Cy Hirsch get a hold of all of the the the, the confessed, confessed crime? Okay, because uh, director Knucklehead told everybody to write down the crimes they committed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you can't figure out that that's going to leak, like... What what are you what are we doing here? What what are we doing? Like, Wait, he told us to write it down. Yeah, on a, <laughs> yeah, no, no, man, you can't. Yeah, no. um, you got to file <laughs> that. T- you got to file the TPS three memo. Yeah, the one about how. Uh, yeah, you funneled all that money to like the fake opposition group that we created. Yeah, that one. Okay, yeah, make sure to write it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. How much did we spend on Samosa? Yeah, exactly. Make sure to keep, oh my god, keep your receipts. <laughs> keep your receipts. So this be like, also by the way in the, to. A bunch of. I mean, in the same period, I should say, there's also um, Philip Agee, who is a former CIA officer oh, yeah. who then defects basically. Ends up in Cuba. He ends up in yeah. Cuba. He ends up in like Europe. He's like living, you know, he's living all over the place. Anyway, um, and um, he does finally end up in Cuba. He was in London for a while, as we know. And so, but but Agee starts outing like actual CIA station chiefs, publishing Wait, didn't their you addresses. Write I did. About I wrote AG a review recently? of a recent book about, yeah. about, about him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like uh, for commentary. So all this is like, you're getting all the stuff coming. Also, by the way, don't, don't sleep on the Quaker activists of media Pennsylvania who break into the FBI field office yes, and basically right. show that the FBI is, of course, spying on all the anti-war yeah. organizations and everything else. Congratulations, FBI, Andrew Hoover. So, and so, so you've this, got a like, proliferation of scandal. Like, what? Right. Yeah. So and you've like, got a proliferation of scandal. And yeah, then... and a proliferation of documentation now. So at that mm-hmm. point, Congress has no choice. They have to do it. And the Church Commission ended up as, and the, there's one in the House called the Pike Commission as well, and it, it ends up doing some really extraordinary stuff where you have a kind of reckoning with a lot of things that were kept from the public that both the CIA and the FBI did uh, in the Cold War, largely kind of justified by the war against the Soviet Union and international communism, and it led to reforms like the It was Pfizer also Court. the most damaging, yes. it was the most damaging public uh, exposition of what the American government was doing. And, and you can, people don't realize the church commission existed and you, you know, you have, was it Frank church on the, the house floor with, you know, right. guns, like literally with silencers on them, showing people what, what the CIA would use in, yeah. in certain situations. There's a great photo of like and Barry it, it, Goldwater it, it, looking at like a poison dart gun. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like yeah. whoa. Now, 
is, is it, but that is, is the thing that you all know. So everybody who says like the CIA tried to poison Castro, exploding cigars, that is actually all because of the Church Commission. And, and people don't realize how important that was in kind of shaping the consciousness about the CIA and the FBI. And it wouldn't have happened if about- the world's dumbest CIA director did not put out a fucking directive <laughs> saying, make sure to file your TPS5 crime report to headquarters. So. So a question about this, because I, I don't I don't know the period nearly as well as you gentlemen, but I, I do have, believe that like the president at the time, Gerald Ford, was not in favor of a lot of the declassification that was happening as a result of the Church Commission. Okay, well, by, like, by the way, that so at that point, yeah, politically, the white this is by the this is very interesting as well because it shapes the careers of Dick Cheney and Don Rumsfeld in this moment, because and basically, like the, at yeah. this point, the president loses control of. Everything. I mean, a lot of stuff. Okay, so the president was also saying Kissinger was pleading with Congress, saying, "Don't cut off funding for the for the South Vietnamese government that we've been propping up," and they did it anyway. So at that point, yes, you're right. The White House objected, but it wasn't like when the Obama White House objected to releasing certain details of the torture report from the Senate Intelligence Committee when they actually had some sway over the party. Um, this mm-hmm. was like at a at the moment when the White House was so incredibly weak that Congress, like Church, was like, "Fuck that! I'm I'm going. You know, I'm I'm putting it out anyway." Hmm. Wow. And by the way, we survived. We survived. We're here. And, and okay, the, the, Republic survived. In fact, you could argue that it, it spurred reform. It there was good. were massive. Yeah. There were massive Democratic majorities. There's all kinds of. Uh, of laws and uh, new kind of uh, strictures put on the War Powers Resolution, the Freedom of Information Act, all kinds of things sort of emanated from that. And at that moment, two of the key people inside the Ford White House who were witnessing this and had positions of power and were outraged at every step and even like changed their initial, like Gerald Ford was in favor of the Freedom of Information Act as a congressman for a long time. Ford, a very, very decent guy from everything I've ever seen from him. Um, And he was talked out of actually supporting it as legislation by Donald Rumsfeld and Dick Cheney in 1974, because their analysis of it was that Congress has gone too far in this direction and in the process is weakening the executive branch power, particularly in the making of war and the handling of foreign policy. And so when Dick Cheney was very interestingly to, interesting to read the interviews that he gave to people um, in 2000 and 2001 before 9-11, um, talking about his goals for the presidency. George W. Bush's goals was like, yeah, hey, maybe get Nolan Ryan in here, throw some fastballs, I don't know. I tell you um, what, Nolan is great, is a great man. Fuck, He's going to come over. But Dick Cheney's like... You know, we're going to uh, leave the office much yeah, stronger sure. than we had it uh, going in. We're going to restore a lot of power. I like the way your um, eyes dart from side to side when you do your Dick Cheney there, Matt. I'm looking for yeah. someone to shoot. <laughs> Dude, Matt, right. Matt, it's I'm funny. Gonna, I'm going to shoot Donald Trump now because he's the biggest danger to democracy well, in the uh, history uh, of America. Dick Cheney. Cheney. Dick so, Cheney. Matt, this actually leads to something interesting because uh, when um, Eli and I talked on the phone the other day, which, you know, one of the things that precipitated this conversation tonight, I actually, we started talking about like, you know, okay, the old days of Iraq and being a neocon and all that stuff. And like, you know, how is your, 
kind of baggage shifted on these things. And it's amazing just because, you know, as you're pointing out, the number of people were like, God, you know, Dick Cheney is really a hero because he recorded this video for his daughter. <laughs> and he's like, no, Donald Trump is, you know, he looks like somebody's going to shoot him in the face in the woods. He's just kind of like, looks kind of baffled. And it won't, and won't he's, work. And he's like, you know, he's it, been it, for so he looks long. very old. And he was saying, you know, this is a threat to the Republic and all this stuff. And, you know, and there's the Greenwald types that go out there and say, isn't this hilarious that everyone on the kind of liberal end of the spectrum is now, you know, trumpeting Dick Cheney for saying that uh, that, you know, executive the executive is is uh, threatening democracy and threatening freedom, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, Eli and I talked about this and it you know leads to this point of like, you know, from those years you know, everybody changes. We have these enormous changes in our lives and we, we, we think one thing and people try to come back to it later and say, you wrote this. And I'm like, no, yeah, that was fucking dumb. I'm sorry that I did, but you know, I don't, you know, have to make an accounting for everything. But like of all these things from the past, when it came to things like executive power, when it came to the, the kind of, you know, what guys, um, you know, our friend Gene, who had called the Imperial Presidency, I mean, everybody else called it that too, but he wrote a book about it that was very good. And that kind of sense of, you know, focusing more power in the presidency, which was not a George W. Bush thing. It was a George W. Bush thing and a Barack Obama thing. Yeah. And every subsequent, you know, administration, this will be ad infinitum. Well, ironically, if you want to just look at the kind of executive power, I would say that Trump was not as bad as Obama or Bush. Yeah, I think that's probably true. But like, where where did you stand yeah, sure. when it came to, you know, because if you look at the Church Commission, it was criticized after 9-11 for curtailing some of the powers of the CIA to, you know, for human intelligence and a lot of other things. And I'm sure that, you know, people like you and people like myself in the time was like, you know, in this urgency after 9-11 of saying like, we don't, we want a CIA that can actually do its job mm -hmm. and actually interact with other agencies. One of the criticisms um, of, you know, how this stuff slid through. Where have you kind of changed on this from your old opinions of, of, what executive power should be, what the CIA's power should be, what FBI's power should be, because you seem like quite a skeptic now. I mean, I, I would imagine that's pretty different than what you thought maybe in, say, 2003. Is that is that a fair kind well, of assessment? I, so I've always been, I've always had a libertarian side, and, you know, I had a, a dream of, you know, that American power could be used to make the world more free and democratic. And um, I thought that that would then eventually lead to the conditions under which perhaps we wouldn't need to have uh you know such a powerful cia which was incredibly naive and uh well let's just say like that was that was a that was some wishful thinking on my part in the aftermath of 9-11 and um i now have an understanding that you know uh there are no easy choices and uh you have to understand that if you want to a certain extent, if you want to empower the state to be able to sort of pick up and monitor and disrupt plans for terrorist attacks or things like that, then you're going to be surrendering a lot of your freedom and you're going to give the state a lot of power to do other things. And so therefore, I think it's just a more serious sort of thing. And I, I was always aware of that tension, but I would say, especially like on the issue that we talked about a little bit before, um, the kind of preventive stuff that the FBI did by trying to I think basically entrap and ensnare, you know, loner, mentally ill, you know, Muslims who kind of got into Islamic fundamentalism, but like definitely kind of spurred on. And to see that that's a very, abu you can abuse that power 
I think it's being abused right now, and I don't. I'm not comfortable with the FBI having it. Whereas before, I thought, you know, there's a trade-off, but it's worth it because you know we would we would be seeing like you know suicide bombings and things like that. And now I would say, but is that is that power that was complained about by people in the past? You know, whether they Glenn Greenwald back in right, the day. But by the way, I was going to say, you know, I differ fair, from... I differ fairness, Glenn from, is consistent I, He's been way. consistent, but, I, but I'm but different than Glenn, though. But is that now against, like, Magatex? Well, no, no. I'm different than Glenn in the following sense. Like, yeah. I never would argue, and I think I've seen Glenn argue this, that we'll be just as safe. I don't think we'll be as safe, and I still don't want to have the government to. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. And by the way, but I think you, we have to be honest that, about it. it. I think we're going to prevent less terrorism. And I'm okay yeah. with that because I don't want the government entrapping American citizens as but much. I, but I wonder about this, and I'm interested in what, you know, Matt and Camille, I know, follow this probably cl- closer than I do, is that are these powers that were widely and roundly denounced after 9-11 being utilized now to kind of, you know, shoulder shrugs and eye rolls from the people who used to hate them because they're being used against people who are considered white nationalists or, you know, MAGA threats to democracy. I mean... All the people that, you know, so many people that I used to really respect, and I still do respect in a lot of ways, but seem to be hyperventilating about democracy is, is, is going, I, I, I'll tell you what, you know, you can, you can roll your eyes at me, but I'm going to tell you, like, come back in 20 years, I'm right and you're wrong. It's not going anywhere. It is a robust democracy. We'll yeah. have our challenges, but that, that I don't believe that it's on the precipice of, dec- of decline or collapse. But is that a kind of thing that is being used now to use those same post 9-11 powers, but against a different target, oh, yeah. which people who used to hate this stuff are now a little more comfortable with because they don't like the people being targeted? We've stopped talking about yeah. powers. We stopped right, talking yeah. about mm-hmm. powers, I think, in in 2010. I'm looking yeah. over there at the uh, at the very, thankfully, small part of my bookshelf that has to do with like uh, contemporary <laughs> politics as opposed to the history of Angels baseball or whatever. Or, or like Poland. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and I got takeover, the return of the imperial presidency, and the subversion of American democracy yeah. by Charlie Savage. I'm saying that like a uh, jerk, but it like is. it's a good book. Uh, Jeremy Scahill, Dirty mm-hmm. Wars, yeah. The World is a bat- Battlefield, right? So this is 2008-ish, 2007-ish when this is out. And this is, the, this is what people are focusing on. Barack Obama, who runs as a critic of mm-hmm. these things, who's, who's mm-hmm. in line with these critiques, who makes promises about we're not going to do dumb wars, we're going to do smart wars like Afghanistan. You're going to be super smart <laughs> when I'm doing it. But um, but also, it's like I'm a constitutional lawyer. There's a questionnaire that Charlie Savage has, I think, for the Boston Globe initially, then it transferred to the New York Times um, about like what are you going to do once you're in charge? And right. he makes a lot of extravagant promises, most of which he broke, or at least some of which he broke. Um, but the the litmus test, and actually Greenwald was, was perfect on this. Um, well, I don't agree with him. At, at all junctures, certainly. But he was right to call this in the moment, which is that uh, Barack Obama, like a lot of people like me, um, like uh, uh, perhaps some or all of us, had said, I'm going to um, uh, release all of the Abu Ghraib photos, right? Because we only saw the first little tranche of the Abu Ghraib photos, and they shocked the world, and it was a big problem. Um, but also, like, you know, this is what we do. In theory, we... Air our own dirty laundry. I'm going to be the president, and I'm going to declassify this stuff. And he comes in, um, and he looks at him, and goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Maybe not. This is kind of be a pain in the ass to do that." And like the only people who cared 
was Glenn Greenwald and like Reason Magazine and a few other people. He was busy being given at that time. Seriously, when we have a couple of pieces about this in the magazine, um, under my stewardship at the time, uh, he was being given sunlight no, awards. Nobel like, Prize. Prize. It was like his Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, like he's so good about sunlight, he's going to be great. In fairness, he's so about definitely even not he thought the going... Nobel was like, this is kind of crazy. What are you doing? <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> I mean. The, he was, you know, he was going to go on to uh, surveil AP reporters to use the Espionage Act against people in the acts of journalism. He was going to end up having a presidency that was yeah, not good yeah. on yeah. James in Rosen. any yeah, was, yeah. fucking measure. Hey, but hold on, Matt, um, Matt, but uh, Matt. people just shrugged. In fairness yeah. to Obama, <laughs> okay, you can't waterboard oh, no. a dead guy who's been killed by a drone strike. <laughs> So I think it's better, like you know, because you know yeah. Cheney and Bush God. and the neocons they waterboarded guys, Damn, but we just killed them. Like, so like, come on, yeah. dude. Like, you, so give me the Netflix yeah, deal. Come, come on. on, I got a podcast <laughs> with uh, Bruce Springsteen. I got a podcast. Yeah. Bruce Springsteen. Love the Great record. We live in. In the uh, aftermath of that world, which is that there is not, <laughs> there's never been a critique of power. It's a death trap. It's a suicide trap. Drone the motherfucker. <laughs> In the last seven or eight years of like Trumpian populism, now it's just a competition to see who can have the power to beat their enemies. How many Republicans, mm. elected Republicans, in the last couple of days have said, and then certainly the commentator writ uh, terriots around them, like, you know, just wait. This is why we have to regain power so we can go yeah. after these people. They're the enemies. We're going to use it. There's been so much LARPing for power. And, the, you yeah, know, a, a dude yeah. woke up this morning, a Jan 6th dude woke up this morning, a proud boy, uh, allegedly, um, and drove to uh, fucking uh, Ohio IRS somewhere with a nail gun. I'm Somehow sorry, it was an AR-15 looking It was a nail gun. Yeah, he, he nail thought, gun. this is what I sent you, his tweet, or <laughs> not tweet, it was his truth. He his chose truth nail gun post. He thought that using a nail gun would make it easier for him to penetrate bulletproof glass at the FBI wow. facility that he was attacking. Yeah. This is really, yeah. I mean, was it, it just, one of the, <laughs> was it battery operated nail gun? Because usually you have to have like compressed air. Almost, like almost I, certainly, almost certainly wow. he just went and bought the what Ryobi total from, from Home Depot, the bright green neon uh, nail gun and shot it at the FBI building. Thinking that Not this a would lot of Anwar Alawakis among the uh, white pride types. <laughs> you know, not a lot of Carlos the Jackals. Oh my gosh. Um... That's amazing. But that's the problem. We don't have we don't have the power uh, interpretation now, especially. No one's interested this, in that anymore. They're interested in regaining power to use it to wield it. And I think uh, the thing that that fills me with dread um, about the Trump uh, search warrant is is that there's going to be more of that. Um, and I wanted to mm -hmm. ask Eli before we totally get off of that. Can I just um, make a brief point um, though? Like the reason some of the, no, some Eli, of the white yeah. national terrorists and and I just want to say this because I think we need a hopeful mm. note here on the fifth, and it's kind of an anti-racist hopeful note. Okay, all right. Okay, um, I don't know if I like the way this is going. Well, let me Eli. just tell you this. Okay, okay. What we've learned, Eli X is um, <laughs> is that um, like Muslim fundamentalist terrorists of color have inspired <laughs> white nationalist terrorists who have picked up on their tactics, and hopefully that can lead to like a moment where these horrible like racist types are like. Well, you know, if they're terrible mud people, but they do know terrorism, you know, like, yeah. they, they are yeah. efficient terrorists. It's sort of like, 
Well, you know, I mean, I've been reading this race theory. I'm measuring their skulls. I'm like, you know, doing all the work. But I gotta say, I mean, running over a crowd of people. I mean, like, I wish we'd thought of that, but we didn't. I don't think you know uh, how anti-racism works. Can I edit that yeah, out? I'm, I'm sorry. People are going to take that the wrong way. No, 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 no. Everybody no, knows I'm not going to take it the wrong way. No, no, no. I think we just right, because excise the bit where two... he says mud people and put it at the very beginning of the podcast. Oh, yes, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the cold open. That's the freezing cold open. I was Because you know I was in character. Yeah. It was a narrative. That doesn't matter. That's what they all say. There's no context. doesn't matter. My best friends are black. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. The re-education we is just name your new podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise known as CNN. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> <That's even better. laughs> well, I'm in character too. Come on. Yeah, My character <laughs> is a flaming anti-Semite. Uh, there's a book that I recommend to people that is from 2006 that I have on my shelf. Um, by the hilarious name, because this is a name, by the way, that both gets you like uh, as a, you're in Wham, you're a uh, sports commentator and uh, a commentator on extremism is George Michael. Um, George Michael Sports Machine mm. wrote a book called The Enemy of My Sports Enemy Machine. that was published by the University of Kansas, which I've read. It's very good. And the subtitle of that is The Alarming... Or is it just another guy named George Michael? Just another guy. <laughs> I'm just Michael. making sure. Um, it's probably more likely to be the guy... The Wham guy? Uh, no. the, yeah, the, the subtitle of that, the subhead of that book is The Alarming Convergence of Militant Islam and the Extreme Right. Yes. And there's a lot of documentation oh. on this. But by the way, like if you go back, and I think I've mentioned this before to the British National Party, the BNP, that was headed by a neo-Nazi named Nick Griffin, who's still alive. But uh, unfortunately, he used to be a part of the National Front. And the National Front, actually, when they ran out of money in England, where did they go? To Libya. And they yes, went to the Jamaharia. Right. And they were very upset because Libya was giving money to the IRA to blow up Brits, and they hated the establishment in England too. And the Libyans were like, you know what, you guys are actually too crazy. Gave them no money, but gave them, and I've mentioned this in the, pal- <laughs> the, the podcast before, a pallet of green books, of Gaddafi's oh, green book, which the oh, BNP no. or the, the National Front then went around to the libraries in England trying to give away. That is <laughs> so they were like, funny. No, we're okay. That's so funny. And there was a cover story in the National Front's newspaper. You can find it because um, I'm interested in this convergence of extreme psychos uh, in which they uh, said the third way was militant Islam. And um, neo-Nazism. Carlos the Jackal at the sense. end of his life was uh, converted to Islam. Well, he's still alive. He's still alive and he he's, converted, a, yeah, he's, he's a big fundamentalist. He's a Muslim yeah, yeah. now. He's converted. And the same thing is true for a number, like a, a huge number of people that were neo-Nazis in Europe. I can name names that have become uh, militant Islamists because but, they okay, have the common thing, they're not, hatred but they're of America not, they're not racist the anymore. So... No, <laughs> they're terrorists. They're anti-Semitic. You know, they still love killing people. They still love killing innocent people. But I mean, you, you can't really say they're racist, right? I mean, just saying if you look at the hierarchy of the organization, I'm just just yeah, from that perspective. Can. I'm not. Yeah. Hey, they're, no one's they're, defend, they're still pun- no one's defending ISIS they're here. Punching up at the no Jews. one's defending ISIS. No one. They're awful. <laughs> but you know, I mean. I'm punching up at Michael Eisner. Exactly. That's what I'm doing. I'm punching up at Harvey Weinstein. Now he's in prison, but I was punching up at him before. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Eli, I'm was sorry. there any, uh, after after the Trump nonsense yeah. with the FBI, was there any sense similar to the mid-70s institutional rethinks in a lot of the institutions, but especially the military, um, at the FBI? Was there any sense of like, shit, you know, we kind of got politicized here. Certainly the outside world 
is projecting their politics on us. They have this perception of us. We better do something now that's different. Um, is there any sense that that ever has taken place? And uh, and if not, uh, is that seems okay, to so me a problem? No. The there there have been a number of really scathing reports from Michael Horowitz, the Inspector General. There are allegedly reforms that are being implemented as a result of that, including a review of all these FISAs and a straight, you know, I mean, this is the kind of bureaucratic pablum line, but when I see stuff like the decision of the raid, the Peter Navarro stuff, it says to me, like, I don't think people are sort of making decisions. And there's all this discretion about like how like, kind of like all these little things that you can do. I mean, like here's a minor thing, but I still think it's kind of a big deal. The, the FBI surveilled like Mike Flynn and other people around Trump, they actually sent somebody there to like watch their like facial tics and things like that during an actual briefing from the FBI. So they used a briefing to sort of surreptitiously put in somebody who would there be there basically kind of t making book, taking notes on targets of this investigation. It's stuff like that. Has that ever been mm -hmm. done to a Democrat? Like, you know what I mean? They found out that there was a spy in Darian Feinstein's office. It was handled very discreetly. Sort of, you know, there was one announcement saying it was over. I mean, I'm just saying, like, what you do with that information well, is the difference between a long-standing political scandal that can ruin your career, or like, you know, mm -hmm. a bad news cycle. And that's where the I think abuse of power has come in. But you also have just the kind of rank incompetence of the bureau. Like, so there's there's you know the bureau that sends the the package to MLK and insists that he ought to kill himself. But then there's also James Comey in October sure. of 2016, like sending a letter to Congress um, right before the election saying, "Oh, Hillary Clinton is a criminal." Like this couldn't possibly have any consequences for the election that's about to happen in November. But well, just, no, but he just so I, you know. Well, I actually should say I've come around in a different way in part because of John Durham. The the, com the conventional wisdom is that. Comey hurt Clinton, and to a certain extent, he did hurt Clinton, but he did his best to help Clinton in numerous ways during the 2016 campaign. And I'll give you some examples. Okay. When the Democratic National Committee's, uh, when, when, sorry, when the DCCC's uh, first reports the hack and the DNC reports the hack in 2016 of their um, email system and everything like that, um, yeah, they work with this guy, um, Donald Sussman. Not, it's Donald. I'm, I'm, I might be screwing up the first name. I'm sorry. It's a late. But um, Michael Sussman. Michael yeah. Sussman. My bad. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. He's allowed to help edit the press release on what the FBI says about the hacked servers. He is a lot. He basically negotiates in such a way that he doesn't have to turn over any of the actual physical machines. And in fact, we learned from the trial from his trial that he had an office like in an, an, S, in an FBI annex. So that level of kind of coordination, um, we know that the FBI accepted the Alpha Bank uh, phony research showing this sort of alleged tie between the Trump servers and the Alpha Bank that Frank Four wrote a big mm -hmm. story before the election about. But the FBI had it and overruled field agents who said this is all bullshit and said, no, no, no keep it open as a counterintelligence probe. Um, we also know that Comey, in the end, even though he criticized the private email server, gives a press conference in order to announce that no reasonable prosecutor would prosecute Clinton, effectively saying, we're not going to take this to court, even though he also had to, you know, sort of thread the needle and show that he had some credibility for the Republicans. And then he reopens this because he put himself in this situation, but he works overtime so that even before the election, 
he does come out with a statement saying we didn't find any classified material on these other laptops that belonged to Anthony Weiner that had anything to do with Hillary Clinton's server. So yes, it was a bad look mm -hmm. at the end, but before the election, before people voted, at least on election day, Comey did put out a statement to try to help him. Meanwhile, he's doing all this stuff. He's And then the biggie is, of course, he takes the Steele dossier, which is paid for mm -hmm. by Mark Elias, another lawyer for the Hillary Clinton campaign. And uh, then he actually briefs Congress saying that it's plausible this might be true. He pushes to have this included in the intelligence community assessment, even when the CIA is saying this looks like bullshit. Uh, Comey becomes an advocate for this intelligence process within the government. And it's basically, it's again, that's Clinton campaign opposition research meant to stir up a cloud of suspicion over her opponent, Donald Trump, during the campaign and then his presidency. So I think the FBI is thick as thieves with the uh, Clintons and helps them much more. And it's just the fact that, like, you know, Comey put himself in this jam where he promises Congress that if there's any more information, he would investigate it. Then he makes that announcement. But I don't think it's it's nearly yeah. as clear that, like, oh, he really screwed Hillary. Yeah. Well, I mentioned I mentioned mm -hmm. it, it, it specifically because William Arkin, who is the the senior editor at Newsweek, who had yeah, that, he wrote that um, story about uh, today right. about the about someone close to to Trump uh, being the source for the the information that the FBI had specifically about whatever documents um, might have been um, at at his Mar-a-Lago compound um, that he. In addition to the piece that he wrote today, appeared on CBS News earlier today and was offering a number of important qualifications, suggesting, look, at the end of the day, we do know that they've had this witness and the FBI is involved. And of course, they had a warrant, but we need to wait and see whether or not the FBI actually had kind of legitimate cause to to take the particular steps that they I'm did. Glad, well, to I'm go glad Mr. Arkin said kind of that. Hard yes. and, to go in as hard and as fast yeah. as they did, because at, at 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 a minimum, like their reputation is anything but stellar, um, in terms of uh, kind of always prioritizing things in the right way. And it does seem that there was kind of a lot of like oddness about the way that decisions were made, the way certain people weren't included and other people were included, um, in terms of having some knowledge or foreknowledge of the of the raid that was going to take place. The, even the way that they're talking to the press seems like very odd to me, like very high ranking um, Department of Justice. Well, we're going to we're going to find out soon. We're going to be able to at least yeah. see the, the search warrant. We, we may we're probably not going to see the underlying like affidavit or information that led to it. But and we uh, may, may also not know what they actually managed to drag out of the house. Apart from that's Milan's also true. Pants. We may not know that. But my right. hunch here is that this was aimed at sort of sating the uh, the voracious appetites of the uh, blue and on wing of the Democratic Party. No. I don't well, think I mean, there's no minimum, way he's... At a minimum, he, the press coverage was very, very um, dodgy in the very beginning of well, this. Well, I hope that... I, mean, I, listen, I, I remember press, reading multiple stories about people suggesting that they were pulling out information that they may be able to use against Trump with respect to January 6th. And at this point, we're talking about whether or not these documents pertain to like nuclear secrets. I mean, listen, all I would say is... Uh, show me the secrets. Tell me what it is. I'm not taking your word on it just because you tell me the level of classification. And I don't think anybody mm -hmm. should. And 
and explain to me how this is different than how you treated Sandy Berger, how you treated David Petraeus, how you treated John Deutsch, how you treated Hillary Clinton, and uh, why this is worse. Because I cannot really see for the life of me how those things would merit an indictment of a former president, given the political turmoil that that would create. It may be worth the turmoil if it's a real charge, if you really have to sort of... Can 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 we um, all of us talk about the political implications of this? If um, you know, it seemed that Trump was kind of fading a little mm-hmm. bit into mm-hmm. the background. Yeah, and Ron DeSantis is being this guy that everyone is ex- exceptionally excited about. Does this? And again, this everyone. is you know requires only speculation. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, what is you guys? How, how do you all feel about that? This seems to have you know revivified. Donald Trump as a, you know, uh, serious mm-hmm. contender. Serious, yeah, it's, um, I think against it's whoever absolutely. Joe Biden So I have to tell you something. To, if I was advising DeSantis right now, I would I would tell him, you got a Jussie Smollett, some fucking FBI raid on your shit. You got to be like, you think that's bad? The FBI kidnapped yeah. my daughter. Yeah. I'm going to have to go leave Lisa on the feds. That's what, yeah. that's what it means. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. In a picture of like two Nigerians. Like, I like yeah, no, exactly. I'm yeah. Get to Santa's no, no, no. I'm white nationalist. From where exactly? <laughs> Bollywood from Nigerians. Boca Grand. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jussie Smollett. that's good oh my god yeah because i mean desantis has got to be so mad now he's like fuck i don't want to be i'm not a everyone is so and and by the way let's because matt and camille and i talked about this matt was so excited about this and i want to get matt to to uh wax uh very enthusiastic about the three minute campaign ad uh, that oh, yeah. uh, Donald Trump produced of him speaking uh, to crowds, so uh, crazy. crowd cut out yeah. of it is crazy and it is pretty good. There's I an mean, actual actually, I mean, stabbing. It's effective. I don't mean that it's, there's a stabbing yeah, there's a in stab, the video. It's like a real stabbing in this video. America is a piece of shit. And it's like, (laughs) that was pretty effective. And I don't, you know, you have to, listeners have to be able to kind of disaggregate what you like and what you believe is effective. Like, I don't like this. I think it's effective. That's a a separate concept. You don't like it, but it did win your support for Donald Trump's next presidential campaign. I literally got a Trump tattoo on my calf today. (laughs) Like early or younger Trump with him and Ivana. Did you um, see this thing, Eli? <laughs> Did you see this video that was going I, around on, on I Twitter? I saw the one. I saw like the campaign ad uh, one. It was a truth social. Yeah, yeah and I thought social. it was extraordinary. I thought it was, it was like, it yeah. was very yeah. good propaganda. Right. I mean, like, I, you know, listen, it doesn't change my view. I don't, I think, I think that as a bare minimum, like my line, one of my like sort of, you know, basic tests for a candidate is that if you lose the election, you kind of have to accept that you lost the election. That's like it should be like a bare minimum. Yeah. So you're gonna you're saying yeah. you're saying you're gonna hold that yes. against Donald I'm Trump and you're gonna vote for against him. Yes. woke senile Biden. I mean, I'm not gonna vote for Biden. Okay. I'm not voting I mean, for it's, Biden. It's, I'm it's, just saying, I have to say that people yeah. are talking. <laughs> the, the election thing is hilarious because okay. because Neither people Trump. talk about this <laughs> as like you know can you believe uh-huh. that this man has denied an election and like yeah you know all this is true like he's a phony and a, and a psycho but they don't realize that the purpose of this is just to get around the fact that you lost it's not to win he knows he can't win but it's because like that any not other Biden, but I'm a person, you know any other uh, republican candidate would be like you want to get on board with this dude he actually lost. 
and then everyone has to say at the same time, actually, he didn't lose. So let's just forget about that. Let's forget about the entire thing that the man lost the election. So why are we going back to this insane loser? You can't do that now because everybody is saying like, you know, because because, you know, to be a, you know, a good uh, subscriber to the base of the Republican Party, you have to say, yeah, well, we know it was it was tinkered with. It eliminates the entire argument that you're a loser. It's amazing. It also um, it exposes anew the uh, the fact that where the Republican base is right now isn't really tethered to policy agreements, um, yeah. because if you were reacting to the last two weeks worth of political events by going, yeah, more Trump, um, as far as I can tell, the Senate just passed by a 51 to 50 vote a pretty significant piece of legislation absolutely mislabeled as the Inflation oh, Reduction yeah, the, Act. The, the, inf- the Inflation Just Doubling Down Act. Fucking lie. <laughs> but um, that wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for the conduct of Donald Trump, particularly in Georgia, right? Georgia probably should have a Republican uh, senator right now. Yes, it absolutely. probably does 100%. not. Yeah. Because of Trump's uh, the way that he talked about uh, the election there and the special election afterwards. Um, So, like, if your goal is to win, you did it wrong. We lost the election. We, we lost, lost Eli, Eli, so yeah. He's, he's disappeared. Well, this is actually a good thing when, when Eli's trying to get back on his fucking, you know, Ecuadorian internet. Um, that uh, DeSantis, you know, bringing up DeSantis, he tweeted in, you know, in support of Donald Trump. And my only takeaway from this tweet, which was, um, uh, let me pull up the tweet here because I have it. Um, the raid on Mar-a-Lago is another escalation of the weaponization, weaponization of federal agencies against the regime's Regime. capital, R. Poli- capital, capital R. R. While people like Hunter Biden get treated with kid gloves, it's just, I mean, you're just throwing all the, the, the code words and the keywords in. Now the regime capital is getting another 87K IRS agents to wield against its adversaries. I mean, these are like, I mean, unrelated things, but okay. And then Banana Republic, both capitalized, which apparently he's talking <laughs> about the store. Yeah. We are living in an era of weird that's a, capitalization. That's an honest mistake. Okay. No, this is, we are literally, we are living in an era of capitalization. We need to address this. And the fact that, number one, Donald Trump capitalizes random things. Now his, his uh, friends, you know, you know, adversaries, friends, Frenemies. capitalize Frenemies. random things too. And then, of course, you have the Ibram Kendi's and the Washington Post all of a sudden capitalizing black. Why are we capitalizing it? Why is that we are fighting battles through capitalization in 2022? <laughs> and I think this is very, very disturbing. I think we need a war against bad grammar and bad capitalization. That's where we win. That's where yeah, we get America I think back. You being, I think you being so particular and exacting about this is white supremacy. And that this is, this yeah, is precisely I think problem. it's also true. That's also true. I never denied that. I never denied that the fact that I want to use... Normal capitalization normal. is also <laughs> yeah, normal. Yeah, white. Exactly. Yes. White capitalization. That's what I want. I want to go back to white capitalization. Um, dear I people. would really settle for low, lower R regime. I mean, like, I'll, I'll give you your capital like, C cathedral, you fucking. I mean, stop hobbits. fucking capital. There's no cathedral. It's not, it's not a thing. It's not like there's not a company called cathedral, you cunts. Sorry, I can't say that. You should cut that out. Um, you know, capital C, you can. Capital, you can. Is it a capital C Fine. cunt or a capital K? 
Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a cap. It's a capital K. I use a K now. Yeah. Rusty. America's still with the, the triple K. Detroit Tigers. As, yeah. Um, so Eli, Eli is saying his computer died, and he lies like a rug. He's gonna have to rejoin with his phone, and now apparently Moynihan's connection has died. What? Just, what happened? I don't know what's going on. All the Jews left. Was there some? There's some sort of nuclear attack. Just kind of rolling through the country. No, I just turned my camera off. That's oh, it. Okay. I didn't, I, no, no, I just did that because I was taking my shirt off and I needed to. I needed Ooh, to again. Um, yeah, I wax my back at ten forty four every night, and you guys Ooh. just happen to be here. I don't want you to have to see that. So there's a little mysterious. I you, like you, this. I like this actually. You like it without I'm, my camera? Yeah, I mean, you don't just know what's kind of happening over it here. It lets my imagination run wild. Oh, it's saying. you want um, you don't want to know. Yeah, I turned yeah, it off yeah. for a reason, my friend. What I, What I really like is that is knowing that you're still looking at me. That's what oh really yeah yeah yeah. Why do you think I turned the camera? God, There's oh a relationship between those two things. <laughs> Wait, so Eli's Eli's laptop died. Eli, Eli says his laptop died. So I don't like know, doesn't I mean, have a does he not have a plug? I don't understand. I don't know what's Lord. happening over there. There's something very. Yeah. He's still. He's very still. He's still a new dad. He's still a new dad. Yeah. His kid is yeah. a, is a year old. Whatever. He's going to call up on his like kids. My Fisher Price. My first podcast. He's uh. <laughs> <laughs> like an actual podcaster now with a legitimate yeah. microphone. And well, how long have we been going? Have let's, let's figure this out. How long have we been going? How long have Hour we been going? Forty? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, right, we're, well, then we're maybe good. we wrap it up while Eli tries to figure out his shit, yeah, and then we'll come back. We'll not even be here. We could. Um, I mean, is <laughs> is there anything else that we need to talk about? We, we you brought you, up the, the fake Inflation Reduction Act. Um, oh, we know Democrats it. are on the on the on the cusp of passing many other things. Uh, climate deal yeah. um, in the works. Uh, the, did the medic did the Medicare deal um, get passed? Or is that not yet? I mean, that's part of the IRA. Yeah. Inflation um, reduction. I love it. It's, it's, it's as dangerous Which, and as stupid and incoherent as the other IRA. It's absolutely, <laughs> for sure, definitely. And I'm writing about this uh, tomorrow. Uh, we're recording on Thursday night. But like, uh, it's, it's hilarious how much every single a liar within a spitting distance of the administration is like, yeah, no, we're going to hire... 87,000 new uh, IRS agents. We're going to increase uh, funding uh, by 70% over 10 years on enforcement. We're going to get $124 billion new, uh, right, new um, money by doing this. And we're definitely, oh God, Eli, that's <laughs> it's rough. So it's you rough, have to stop dude. one second, Matt, because all of a sudden it is like a horror movie from the like, late 90s. <laughs> this is Blair Witch. Eli stops and he's like in oh, his backyard no. on his phone. Like, what happened? So... I have to explain this here. My, my apartment, uh, our apartment, we have, we have two floors, and the baby okay. and uh, and Nika sleeps on the top floor, yeah, and yeah. There's, a, there's another floor. So I take all of my ready mic and headphones and everything, laptop, but I don't take the cord because I'm like, you know, it's it's 2022 yeah. or whatever, and that was stupid because it it turns out that it sucked a lot of battery yeah. power, and here I am now on my deck. <laughs> Chilling. I'm very sorry, yeah, everybody. Yeah. That was uh, was not a not a pro podcaster that move on my part. Yeah, so no. Apology. Ran out of power because you're an asshole. It's like one of the only times it's ever happened. <laughs> yeah. That's what they. That's what they all say. This never yeah. happens. Yeah. This never happens. I don't, don't even you have understand. The pills next yeah, to the bed. I, I, I don't know what yeah. you say. 
Yeah. It's it's like going to be such a, it, I honestly, but to get from, for me to get that cord now and the rummage. No, listen, it's, like, it's fine, sweetheart. It's fine. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, came, yeah. I came 15 minutes yeah. ago. It's fine. Yeah. It's just, no, no. My Lord. Oh my Lord. I was being Lord, generous. I said podcast now. I was being generous. Probably. I said 15 minutes ago. That suggests that yeah. he's been at it for a while. Um, well, I'll yeah, tell you what. Should. Let's do. Let's do this. I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna take command of this because everyone's losing cords and Camille's drunk and I mean, I'm, no one's got battery power and I Matt's was drunk when we eardrums are breaking. So <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I know. Often on like drinking water cigars now. over there too. So, yeah, no, you're drinking yeah. water now. I'm nine drinks in at this point, trying to catch up with you, and now you're fucking <laughs> drinking water. Like, uh, okay, what are you, you know, doing? What, like you sprinted or something? You like you like what? Relax, Flo Joe. Like just stop. Stop drinking the water. That's racist. Yeah, hang on yeah, totally absolutely <laughs> very nice nails by the way isn't she dead did, did Flojo die? die yeah no who's really? the one who died no who's the one who died, died. Flojo the didn't one die with the one with the nails right I mean they all did Flojo die I think Flojo I mean, yeah she died wow, in she died. 98 <laughs> is that true <laughs> she, she, she I literally died like died almost three years ago she's alive that in is, our hearts in our hearts yes 20, wow. 24 years ago was the last time that Flojo flowed. Um, <laughs> so I just want, it's amazing. Did she die? Yes, she did. Wow. Not, I mean, she, at, at the age of 38, um, uh, suffer, uh, suffocation sad. during a severe epileptic seizure. Rest in peace, Flojo. Oh, no. God, um, she was one fast. Of the great. I'm, I'm watching she her on YouTube. She was very fast. fast on YouTube now. Yeah. She was 80s. You literally she had hair, are she had so. Nails. You, Camille, are so fast with your attention span that you're already watching <laughs> Flojo videos on YouTube during a podcast. Unbelievable. Yeah. Max Boot well, would never do this. Max Boot would never do this. He would put on his well, pork pie hat. And... <laughs> I'm going to stop. You know, if that. Eli threw a hat on that and if he would stop walking around, which is never going to happen, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eli, like, you don't um, have to keep moving. All right, he's going to a prison yard. He's doing a prison <laughs> walk. Unbelievable. He's going to start, start lifting weights in a All second right. with members of the Aryan nations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you guys answer me a question? I don't, because I, yeah. I, I just, an Aryan nation sure. question. Which it's a, that's amazing. obviously yeah. where it's going to go. Is that's what true, we do here on this podcast. Is it true that like, there are, are there, are, did, have they started allowing like Mexicans and other Latinos in of the course, Aryan nation? Always. Because Nick yes. Fuentes sounds right like he's a white supremacist but he's also um a latino yes. is that correct? he's also a virgin that's he talks the most that important fact oh that's the most important, important fact yes he talks about how he's an incel yeah which you know really clears your mind um, <laughs> it makes you think all sorts of important smart things about politics if you're not regularly uh, having sex with women because um the in in the incel is the most important thing because you're telling people that literally nobody wants to sleep because <laughs> the first <laughs> syllable is involuntary like i'd like to i'd really like to uh, but i just can't do it and so instead i'm going to talk about how the holocaust never happened i think that'll <laughs> loosen a few belts oh, nice job nick I think Nick, Nick Nick is actually on record suggesting that he like doesn't he doesn't care he's not really interested. No, there's in something like wrong with you. Girls. Like that's wrong. That's yeah. not normal. 
That's or, not normal. Bo- or boys, for yeah. that matter. He's just I, not knows? interested at all. Like, yeah. he doesn't I'm sorry, want... you go around ripping on yeah. trans people, and you're like, it's normal. I don't have any sexual feeling at all. <laughs> I think you're the abnormal one. Sorry, Camille, buddy. The fact that you know what he's on record as saying. Oh, as he's, opposed... Camille's a, a, a subscriber. What? I'm not supposed to. <laughs> I mean, I'm, this is my job. It's my, my responsibility yeah. to understand is that what's your happening job? in the world. Yeah. yeah, at least part is of it. Is that your job? At least part yeah. of it. Is that sure. one of the, the marvelous things you do yeah, in Freethink is to track Nick Fuentes? Well, about his own sexuality. I don't like like you, editor at large. I don't have many specific <laughs> responsibilities that Freethink. That, by the way, was the most okay. amazing diss of all time. <laughs> you, editor at large. It's like, wow, that, that was a deep. I get to do. I get to do a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. And one of those things is keep track of Nick Fuentes and his yeah. non-existent <laughs> sex life. I mean, because yeah. again, if there, it would be like some sort of dangerous. Asylum of the apocalypse if he was in fact to get his whistle wet so Mm -hmm. fortunately that won't happen he'd probably probably love to do that in was it, measuring was it your all, skull at the same time. The case of, <laughs> <laughs> was it always the case that like the Aryan Nation crowd was also like very into like Latinos? Uh, the weird thing great? about them was they were always into Japanese people because they're you know very obsessed with right. Asians and the the uh, Nazi uh, alliance with Imperial Japan, so they're okay with that. Um, so hmm. I guess the new one is like Morrissey has a lot of Mexican fans. That's that's kind of like <laughs> it's a new kind of thing. They, they they Nick Fuentes, by the way, is what we would call after the um, uh, uh, George Zimmerman affair a white Latino, right? Remember that yeah. uh, George Zimmerman was yeah. referred to as a white Latino. Yeah, I do. That's right. I, I, yeah, I, I, I think do, he's I a white Latino. Yeah. But more importantly, he's a celibate, uh, involuntary celibate Latino. And uh, I think that right now, I've saw I saw I've watched one of his videos. I didn't know who this guy was, and I watch it. It's on like Slap or Slog or Bog or whatever the fuck these people go to when they get kicked out of normal society <laughs> to go like complain about how no one will not have sex with them. Um, and he is like a bad. It's like worse than like Chevy Chase's. Do you remember too? He had the the very brief. Uh, um, uh, talk show it's kind of like that he's in a oh, room by yeah. himself making really um bad uncomfortable jokes and then uh you know he goes off about the how the holocaust never happened or the jews are are really keeping him down it's like, I, no i don't I, think the jews are the reason sold. women don't want to have sex with you <laughs> yeah yeah well um yeah, no, I mean, apparently it's a really bad But he's guy. friends with Michelle Malkin. That's what I hear from my brief Googling. Oh, he is? Yeah. He's a groper. I don't know what that means. It's like a groper, but uh, like without any no. results? No, no, it's, that's, a, <laughs> no. that's like a, that's a, that's a, like a white, a white bashy. Yeah. They call themselves gropers. I don't know anything about that, but it sounds a lot like groper. But, um, but considering he's talking about how he doesn't have success with women, I don't think his groping is going very well. So, or groping. Oh, I'm sorry. I've been drinking since. Like, I mean, I mean, like this, is, is this going to mean like now that now that now that the white supremacists are like letting in Mexicans, I like think they're going to like move on to I don't know Catholics or whatever else, and eventually it's just going to be the Jews who are yeah. excluded. So like uh, in 40 yeah. years, it's going to be like we we've, we've got a whole black chapter yeah. of our white supremacist <laughs> yeah. group. So it's basically a country it's club. The only group. <laughs> it's exactly. Princeton. Every, we, we're going to have everybody. We have we have transgender Samoans yeah. now that are yeah. white supremacists. And now just white supremacy means we hate the Jews. Yeah. And Eli, that's true. I mean, the only one all you ends. can't let in. The idea, Eli, that yeah. the well, white supremacists like suddenly move on to the Catholics is... Uh, that's... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some... Well, they used the KKK they hated did. the Catholics. Right. That was like, that was like the, the original American bigotry 
was of course it was the blacks it was the jews it was the irish it was the catholics yeah. that was the that covers the irish and the and catholics of course the Chinese, covered, and, yeah. and, 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 and the chinese and the i'm chinese. thinking uh, and the as i always do about uh, victor orban and his speech at cpac uh, a week ago now yeah. uh, in which he told people it's okay um it's okay, CPAC listeners. Uh, we all know that Christian politicians can't be racist, he says to an American audience. Um, and also as a wow. Hungarian, wow. Um, which had, I think, what was the name of the government, Moynihan? I think Arrow Cross. Arrow Cross, yeah. Is the, uh, I love those governments who are like, oh, you guys are going to come in and be Nazis? We'll one-up you. We'll make our yeah, own we'll, uniforms. We'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll we have our own, own thing going on. Yeah. Uh, the guy who ran it, Ferenc Salaji, uh, who, uh, you know, he, he for five months killed as many Jews as he could in Hungary in 44 and 45. Um, he was the uh, prime minister and the minister of uh, of, uh, of religion of and education yeah. and, and, and yeah. racism and said <laughs> that he got his Catholicism uh, through his mother's breast milk. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But but definitely, definitely Christian people can't. Be racist, but you realize that that's just an inversion of the thing that you see on Twitter all the time. It's like, you know, uh, people of color cannot be racist. And I'm like, I yeah. don't know if you've ever met a calypso singer from Boston named Louis Farrakhan. The <laughs> man is very much a racist, and he is a great singer, and, and, a really good singer. And, is he pretty good? And, and, yeah, and we should good. probably correct the record yeah. here, Eli. Is isn't it the case that Malcolm X like met with the KKK at some point? Did he? I did not know that. I do know that Malcolm X, though, like has that last period of his life after Mecca where he renounces some of the more racially charged. Yeah, this would have been yeah. before that. Yeah, or at least no. someone from the nation. There was some yeah. conversation between the nation and certain white supremacist groups because they were both um, against integration. And, you know. Oh, yeah. right. By the way, can I just say something? We are such a weird country right now, but if you go back on YouTube and you see, like, clips of the dick cabbage show there were like debates between jim brown and lester oh yeah Max. yeah a great mm. one yeah you know what i'm saying and i'm not i mean obviously like lester obviously i'm glad the segregation is lost yada, you, yada, yada. but <laughs> it's like, i'm just saying it's a bad no but, but i'm right just here. saying like of, I mean, but wouldn't it, was it be like, nice it was like no but it was like why can't we like go away they wanted to have a debate with like all these different people and yeah he had deplorable views but they hashed it out it was fascinating yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like Buckley used to have on like hardened communists. Well, no, no, no. Actually, Trotsky you know, Buckley, who gets you yeah. know a hard time for uh, National View's really bad uh, Southern policy in the 1950s, but he had he had yeah, on um, uh, George Wallace and absolutely eviscerated him. You can find it on YouTube. He just it, they clearly hate each other, and he is just brutalizes yeah. him the the whole way. So it's it's it, it, it you know redeems him in a little bit, but to the point of like did the Nazis and the um, the um uh you know noi people yeah they did there's there's versions of that but it's also true in in uh, europe in uh the butter meinhof gang and the extreme leftists because of their uh, love of the palestinian cause they their whole argument was like our parents ruined everything because they're all nazis they're all nazi sympathizers we have to blow up the Bundesrepublik of Deutschland, because they're all, you know, essentially, this is the embers and uh, the recreation of the Third Reich and the Fourth Reich. They had lots of meetings with neo-Nazis. They <laughs> bought their weapons well, at a neo-Nazi yeah. bar in Berlin, because guess what? Oh, wow. They both hated Jews. <laughs> you know, and it's yes. funny. I just want to, I want to say something. For, for all of her flaws, for all of her many flaws, 
Arika Meinhof was kind of punk rock. <laughs> she had a good look. You know what I'm saying? I mean, she like, had a good she look. Just, no, I'm just not just her look. I'm not talking about like I'm just talking about from a DIY <laughs> screw the man perspective. You're like a pretty acclaimed German journalist, and then you walk out a freaking window to join an underground yes. terrorist organization. I'm sorry, I don't approve the choice, but that's punk rock. That is the oh essence of punk rock. That's like Bob Dylan. You know, say turn it up after someone yells, yeah, 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 that is yeah. Punk play rock. fucking loud. It really that's is. What, that's what Ulrika Meinhof yeah, did. Louder. She turned to the bottom Meinhof gang and she was like, play fucking loud. Listen, we've got to, we've got to exactly. reel this. Whatever you want to say about Ulrika Meinhof, absolute disaster. No, but I do, Camille, you have to understand that if you make it this far, these yeah. are the references that, you know, 0.01% yeah. of our listeners get no, and appreciate us for. No, it's true. They like, they'll be like, it registers. I agree. They enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Podcast, I want to point out there. that, <laughs> that there was a, and yeah. as you know, Eli, at, at, at Entebbe, yeah. the hijacking of the airplane yeah, in Entebbe true. with the um, European and uh, Middle Eastern uh, left wingers literally separated the Jews. They were like, who's Jewish and who's yeah, Israeli? No, it's, it's and they separated the Jews. Oh. And it's like, guys. Germans and the guy, one of the guys who did this, by the way, his name was Wilfred Böse, which is a German word for evil, Böse, uh, which I thought was really fantastic. Of course. And he's like, you know, Jews on one side. It's like, guys, did did you not recently do this? Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. That was they were Nazis. I hate those guys. <laughs> like, you literally said, you like, you know, I know, I know, they're Zionists. That's different. <laughs> and then Benjamin Netanyahu's brother gets killed in the raid, uh, uh, liberating liberating True. people. But anyway, that's a good place to end. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Because we've or, all been drinking. Or should we just call like Ben Dreyfus and see if we can go for another hour? <laughs> just like that'd be like four hours. Be literally, <laughs> right, be like you know, when my dad time, was in What About Bob? Maybe he's with his dad would, right I now. I would love to come he on. With, I would love to come on with Dreyfus and have a real informed debate because I know Dreyfus is on the other side of me on the Russia Gate FBI he? stuff. But I would and love on the Taylor Lorenz issue. He's a very strong pro Taylor yeah. Lorenz voice. Is that right? Dude. Yeah, but isn't that's yeah, oh, that's yeah, out of yeah, personal yeah. Today would be a great I, I respect the yeah, hell out of that. I'm very angry when people. No, no, I respect that. I respect I the too. hell out of that. I do too. You you defend your friends. Yeah, I actually oh, no. like Michael Ledeen. Yeah, I mean, I have my limits. That's <laughs> why I'm not going to say a bad word. About I have Michael my Ledeen. limits. I'm exactly. not defending you assholes that far. Um, no, you would literally I, I, yeah. throw us under the bus at the first oh, opportunity. God. People would be like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> You're like, "I just, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I do it now? Can I throw them under the bus now?" It's like, no, we're literally talking about what we're going to have for dinner, Thai food or Vietnamese food, and somehow you're saying throw Matt Welch and Moynihan under the bus. It's racist. It's racist. Yeah, it is. Um, all right. All right. One last bit. Everybody download the re-education. Get it. Get it. It's a great yeah, podcast. It's it's podcast. The episode is me. Tweeted. Um, and That's also the on Sunday, and the, the Moynihan one. We're gonna have. I'm gonna have both of you on at a certain point. It'll be good. Is that right? That's very presumptuous That's you. of you, sir. <laughs> you lose. Very presumptuous. I, I will do it though. Camille, don't even try. We no, talked about this. No, in I, I will do it. I'm gonna do it. I know you yeah, do it. Too many conferences to go to. Man, we'll think you well, I, also, also, Camille, you gave me like great advice in the beginning. Like you got. You got I have don't, no. Don't I, I, I have all I have is great job. advice to give. Yeah. Also, um, this is sure. uh, it's August second Sunday is coming up, which means that we will be live streaming um, our members only episode. Yes. Um, so that will happen on Sunday. What time? I don't know because we haven't sorted yeah. that out yet, but we will. And we will post that to we'll interact with you. If you send us yeah. com. And um, thank you for your emails, your Twitter messages and posts, et cetera. We, we appreciate all emails. that stuff greatly. Yeah. Um, and there will be much more to be and said. And to a about few of you who have sent emails, go fuck yourself. You know who you are. <laughs>
That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like, just don't send criticism. Only praise. Only praise questions. True. So we can provide our sage advice. Why do you have the time? But if you you don't have the time to send things about me, get a fucking, get a hobby. See? Get a blow up doll. Get a skateboard. I don't care what you do. Stop fucking saying, you know, that you don't like black people and Camille's number one on the list. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. That's care right. about the calipers that you, you got. You, are you getting are you getting racist? Oh, no. Well, I mean, so many criticism no. of this <laughs> criticism of this podcast is de facto is de facto white supremacy. Oh, from, the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> oh, oh, from a race realist yeah. perspective. But if you exactly. are not actively pro fifth column, then That's you right. are. <laughs> it's not enough to be not it's racist. It's not enough to be. <laughs> you must be in favor of the fifth column podcast. To not be opposed to the fifth column, <laughs> you have to be actively for the fifth column, or you. You, my friend and because oh, i God. said that i'm gonna i'm a genius i'm a macarthur <laughs> genius and i have a center <laughs> and i write books uh, about the fucking oh by the way subscribe to the uh, subscriber one because you can hear us talking about <laughs> the last one ibram x the x is for delicious kendy's uh, <laughs> article about how fraternities are the same as street gangs it's the, the exact same, same thing yeah yeah it's same the same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Super he's same. kind of the furious styles of the Atlantic, <laughs> where he's like, why do they have these uh, liquor stores on the corner? And I'm like, supply and demand? I don't know. Like, I'm not a fucking economist, but like, if they weren't making money, they'd leave. Oh, <laughs> man. Pi, be- Pi Beta MS-13. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, we're done. We, we're yeah, done as a, as a podcast and as okay. humans. Yeah. Okay, bye. We did it. Bye. Okay, bye, bye. We, we, we know of new methods of attack. The Trojan Horse, the fifth column.